0: I've created this office as a symbol of how I feel about Gundam. This sawed-off shotgun belonged to a local bootlegger. People who come in here to ask me for things have to stare right down the barrel.
1: Welcome back, gang, to another episode of Gundam at MAHQ. This is episode 45. That's right. We're almost there to 50. And um, in this episode, the first episode of the new year, 2010, um, we are going to be discussing in full... Um, the long-awaited uh, OVA, and the, uh, pretty much the longest-running OVA series of all time, Legend of the Galactic Heroes. In this, in a two-part discussion, we'll be discussing the movie that kicks off the series, and then um, the OVA series, which runs to, a, what is it, 110 episodes?
2: 110 episodes over four seasons.
1: Over four seasons, so yep. the, in the first discussion, there'll be um, we'll be discussing um, movie, the, the movie and the first two seasons, yes. and, and 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 in the second half, we'll be discussing Seasons 3 and 4 and wrapping up. But um, before we begin, I'd like to introduce our our co-host here. It's Neo. Chris. (laughs) And um, before we uh, move on to our long uh, discussion about uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, we'll kick off Neo's News.
2: All right. Got some great news for the new year. A lot of this courtesy of all the guys that posted on the Neo's Listener Submitted News article site. And uh, the first one I have here is from Zero Buster XX or Zero Buster Double X, whatever he wants to go by. And this is coming from uh, the anime news network and yep, Christmas came. The uh, the English dubbing cast was announced for uh, mobile suit Gundam Unicorn. And guess who's gonna be Bannock or Lynx? Oh don't tell me.
1: Um, Johnny Johnny Bosch?
2: No. Um
1: um don't Brad Swale? No. Slurpy Spike? No. Oh man, Do I, Steve I'm... Cannon. Steve Cannon, man. Who is this guy? You he was the him? voice of, um, if I recall, he was the voice of the lead in, um, 8th Dimension. He was the voice of, uh, Shiro.
2: Oh, okay. Man. Yeah, they have, they have, um, uh, the list on there, and I would just encourage anybody just to take a look at AKA, it. AKA, uh, Doggy from Eureka 7. Oh, really? Okay. And, and
1: Ippo from Hajime no Ippo, man. Awesome. Oh.
2: Huh. Okay. He's he's done some work. All right. Well, um, you know the the list is there. Take a look, and they got most of all the uh, the characters you know the most of the major characters there of course uh it's set in this is the new universal century um Gundam uh, it's going to be a 6 episode OVA and uh, Bandai Visual's first Blu-ray disc volume will have a simultaneously overseas release on March 12th with English and Japanese dubbing um as well as Japanese, English, French, Spanish, Chinese subtitles so uh the first first of the 6 DVD volumes will ship on the same day with japanese dummy as well as japanese and english subtitles um it will the first episode which is called day of the unicorn will start a two more two week premiere review in the theaters of tokyo osaka nagua Afuyoka, and fuyoka and shaparo on february 20th and at these theaters they can they're going to offer uh pre-sales of the blu-ray disc okay. so um there's also going to be some more stuff coming, more news, what's going to be happening at these premiere reviews um, around January 20th on the Unicorn website. So, um, what was it, probably January 21st, uh, put, put up your pre-torrents for, um, for those Blu-rays, guys? Maybe,
0: maybe Sobro <laughs> will, but uh, since I have a <laughs> PS3, I'll, I'll actually be getting uh, the Blu-ray.
1: Of course this news is fiction, because, you know, Unicorn
2: doesn't exist. That's We, yeah, don't, I'm sorry. we don't acknowledge this. Yeah. <laughs> since the timeline changed we uh we can't do that so but uh that's exciting exciting phone news man Thank exciting you. yes and uh, some exciting but yet probably some sad news if this if what they're saying is true here and this comes from the the nanatos and this is also off the anime news network and there is going to be uh a new OVA of uh, votomes hey, on hey. and the on March 26th, there's going to be the launch of Votomes, Armored Trooper Votomes Phantom Arc, and it's going to be set 26 years after the original Armored Trooper Votomes series. And but it's not
0: set 26 years. A&N just keeps saying that it's been 26 years since oh. the show.
2: Oh, tw- okay, I'm sorry. Yeah, I they, the way wrong. they
0: keep wording that is always a little Yeah, confused. it does
2: look... Uh, yeah, yeah,
0: it does seem like they're saying that it's set twenty six. Twenty six years after, the after show. It, though. Yeah. They're just saying it's been twenty six years since the T V series.
2: Well if you go to the official website, they have a fifteen second promotional video and a one minute promotional video. Uh, is going to be going on for you know uh, you know for the March 26 launch and this new six volume video series is slated to be the final chapter in the franchise. No way. So
0: unless it sells really well, then all of a sudden, wow, we have a new one two years <laughs> later. Well, hopefully, it closes things off. Better than uh, the weirdness of um, Shining Heresy. Yeah.
2: Oh, man. Uh, and some more um, old series coming back. Not too much of an old series, but um, you know, a series that premiered a couple years ago. Uh, this is also uh, courtesy of Zero Buster XX from the Anime News Network, and we'll see any typos or grammatical errors in this article here. Um, I th- there's going there was announced that there's going to be a project called uh, Fafner Dead Aggressor he- Heaven and Earth uh and it's going to start in 2010 so it looks what? like there's going to be something um hopefully they're following up uh, the 2004 series or maybe even more of a prequel uh, even because well right or left was a prequel but um so we'll we'll definitely keep you guys posted on that. I, I know this is one of the few series Chris, uh, Chris hasn't seen and Soul Bro has seen. <laughs>
0: oh, no, I, I have seen the series. Oh, you have hey, seen it? Yeah, I, I you remember, you, see it. I yeah.
1: remember um, Chris mentioned that he was watching it the last time we talked
0: about it. Oh, okay, cool. I, I don't you. know what exactly you could do with a new series. It doesn't <laughs> seem like there was much ruin especially after they already went and did a prequel.
2: Yeah, I don't know what they're going to do on that either because it seemed kind of final, that ending, didn't it? It sure did, but <laughs> you never know. Fafner, my favorite
1: slasher anime.
2: Um, And here's some more um, good stuff on the Gundam front. Uh, We're actually going to see, there's going to be a new manga starting in January. Oh. And this is courtesy of Jabman 025, and he got oh. this off the Anime News Network. My friend Jeff. And in That's the so February great. issue of Gundam Ace, it's going to be they're they're gonna be launching a series called um, Gundam Zeon Children's Academy. Wow! It's a boy? Yeah, and they have a picture here, and of course, all the it's all pretty looking guys, and oh wow, imagine Great
0: one dude who looks exactly like Lelouch. I know, oh, and his name is Krause.
2: <laughs> and his name is Kraus. So uh, I guess awesome. he's fitting into. I guess this will be uh, written by the people from uh, Igloo, huh?
0: I smell Nazi. I guess this is the uh, the Nazi Boys Academy. (laughs) I smell Nazification. And it's um, set in the. Zeon Youth. (laughs) It's
2: uh, the the manga set in the seceding space colonies during uh, 0079, and it follows five boys who share a sense of camaraderie, duty, jealousy, and war. So uh, this is going to be going on every month now in the Gundam Ace, and, uh, well. I guess we'll look for those uh, translations down the road to see, but yeah. Um, the picture, very pretty. One guy's named Kraus, Linid, uh, Corel and Reby, and they couldn't, the other guy, it's, it got cut off in the picture, so maybe he's Wolfgang von Blitzer or something or nice. something like that. So. Nice. <laughs> but um, next uh, article here, and this is also from Mr. Jab Man, but um, we, had, we were wondering what was going to happen to the uh, life-size Gundam. And it's been released, uh, that is going to be relocated to Jinzuku City in central Japan in July. And, um, you know, not coincidentally, the Bobby, the Bandai Hobby Center and the production factory for all the, for all the, <laughs> uh, model kits are also located there. Hell yeah. And, uh, it's gonna,
0: what a surprise. Yeah,
2: it's going to be remain on display at the Zuku from uh, July 2010 to May of 2011, and then move to another prefecture. It'll eventually be erected near the Bandai Hobby Center. Yeah. Um, we were wondering how they did this. Uh, it was disassembled in September after being on display for two months at uh, Shin- Shinazuku Park and odaiba and of course all the festivals and remember we talked to pedo bear south about it and uh, it's a 35 ton statue that was built with fiberglass reinforced plastic over a steel frame that could be disassembled later it's got 50 lights 14 mist emitting devices sound effects and a moving head and there's also a one scale uh one one scale rx 78 double Dash 2 Gundam bust from the chest up. If, for all those that don't know, that's also in display at the Bandai Museum in the Tokachi Prefecture. So basically, it was one large um, gunpla because it's fiberglass reinforced plastic over a steel frame. So it was just <laughs> one big uh, gunpla there. So
0: it's 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 the uber perfect grade, you might say.
2: Yeah. What would it be? Uh, what's more than per? What what would be more than perfect? What would be a word to describe more than perfect? Uh, or another word to describe perfect? God. God, God grade. God grade. God. <laughs> oh, so, that is nice. Grade of the gods. <laughs> and last little um last little article here and this is from JCN Castle 76. And this isn't really anime or it's not really mecha related, but it's more anime related. Um I know people were kind of complaining that um, you know, like Tsunami's gone and all this, but Looks like uh, Viz Media is going to be launching a portal to stream 11 titles from uh, their website. And those titles include uh, Bleach. Uh, Like, you can't see that enough on TV. Busu Rankin, Death Note. Like, why would I need to see that again? Uh, Hikaru No Go, Honey Clover, Inuyasha. Well, I have seen that a million times. And he the final act. I didn't know they made a final act. They're
1: making it, I think it's... Uh, they did
2: something, so that horrible, horrible ending of that show.
1: <laughs> but they're finally adapting the last of the series. Oh, so, great. The manga, so...
2: Nana, Naruto, Naruto, Shippuden, and the Prince of Tennis, so. so... of
1: course, Monster's not in there. Awesome. <coughs> I was so hoping you'd mention... Oh, I was hoping that would be in the list. Oops. Wow. Well. Okay. What
0: if we? What have we told you about hoping for things? Yeah. Bro? Haven't you learned your lesson
1: by I now? I would. i was just setting myself up for disappointment. Thank As you, Jewel. Thank you again, Anime Industry.
2: Story and, of your life. Well, the the titles are also going to be available on the official Naruto Shippuden site, Shonen Sunday dot com, Hulu, and on ANN. D- don't you have to pay for Hulu now? No, it's free. No. I thought it was supposed
1: to go yeah. to. It's a many- pay-
2: you had to pay for it now. As, as, as many commercials
1: is on there, I better not have
0: to pay for Jack.
2: I maybe I was um, maybe I was thinking something else in, but that's the news. Maybe
0: you're thinking a Crunchyroll. Yeah. Oh, maybe
2: I remember some something you were going to have to pay for in 2010, and I, I thought it was Hulu, but I guess I'm wrong. Again, <laughs> so send all hateful email for me being wrong at neo at gmail.com. Please do, and all trolling and sobriashing email. To SBRMHQ at gmail.com. It never stops, but <laughs> the the news isn't ending. Um, well, it, the news has ended, but th- we're going to get a special visit by the old Straight Talk Express because oh. I, I, I've heard the uh, I, I, I've heard the uh, the engine idling oh. and the air brakes are ready to be released.
0: So, um, recording this episode is the first uh, episode of the new year, and right on. The top of the new year, on January 1st, uh, some certain people uh, thought it would be a good idea to hack MHQ. So uh, I would like to give a big F to these guys. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: What were some of the problems that
0: uh, came out of it? Um, they, they broke some of the navigation, and uh, you click on some of the links on some sections, they redirect to a page advertising it was hacked by these losers. Oh, okay. Were a couple of chumps from uh, Morocco and Turkey. Oh! Oh wow!
1: Wow! I, I figured so. it'd been lo- at least been American, but man, <laughs> <laughs> dang, got international enemies, man. That's not even. Cool.
0: <laughs> Damn. So, <laughs> I want these guys uh, screw you and thanks for nothing.
2: <laughs> I, uh, I I wonder what you did to piss them off.
0: Well, these these guys whose names I won't mention because they don't deserve. Uh, any more publicity mm-hmm. uh, they're not going after me specifically they just go after um, the security of sites yeah it's
2: just fun to them for some reason
0: yeah so all right so yeah screw you and uh, rotten hell please <laughs> <laughs> nicely said
2: anything else but there's
0: also a bit more yes, yes. Um, it was already announced on the uh website uh in December, but uh, the good old mailbag that's been missing in action for, for so long uh, is being put to arrest on MHQ. There's going to be one final entry in the mailbag, and um, after that, it's coming to Gundam, so Yay! Uh, right here in this spot after Neo's News, uh, we'll be tackling your, your questions, and uh, instead of just me, you get the benefit of all three of us. Oh, man. I, I will w- ask one thing, though. What? What's up? Know what's uh, more powerful. Please do not send <laughs> us the kind of Inane, retarded, moronic questions that I see uh, get sent to Ann's Answer Man or to Ask John on Anime Nation.
2: <laughs> what What would an example of that be? Where's the uh,
0: Example. Uh, asked John recently, and I feel sorry for this guy having to feel these questions. Mm-hmm. Some Some uh, noob was saying that um, you know. How come I've seen all these situations in anime where there's like one character who's upset by something and clearly uh, the thing to do would be to, to hug them, but the character doesn't? Uh, is it cultural differences or are Japanese animators just really socially inept? <laughs> Ouch. Damn. That was a question? <laughs> yes, that was a question. It's like, gee, buddy. Different cultures have different social norms? What? <laughs> that's that, That's worse than who's more
2: powerful. Perfect, uh, you know, uh, Wing Zero Custom or uh, G Gundam.
0: I mean, seriously, if it bothers you so much that you have to ask some poor guy why you <clears throat> why he thinks an anime character didn't hug some other anime <laughs> character they thought they should have, <laughs> and you think there needs to be an explanation for that, you're sad. Oh my god. That is hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) Please don't send us that. Nice, please. So um, once that last um, web mailbag is done, there's going to be a submission thread in the Gundam forum, so you can uh, post the questions there, and we'll pick some, and it's going to be a regular feature on Gundam, and we'll um, tackle your questions, but please... um, Let's think about it. I, I would, I would um, impart upon you one of the um, guidelines that we have on Mecha Talk when uh, you're thinking about posting a topic, which is if it sounds stupid to you as you're writing it, don't post it. <laughs> that's, that's a good way to live. If, if you think it sounds stupid, it probably is. And you want to know how you really know it's stupid? If you post it and say yourself, I realize this may sound stupid.
2: Yeah preferencing that right
0: if it's- you if you thought that it was stupid and then even said so after posting it yeah it probably was
2: <laughs> it's like when people say i don't mean to offend you but
1: <laughs> no offense but <laughs> a lot of stick it done on my opinion. yeah besides that's my job
2: yeah <laughs> what about Solbo bashing where would they send that,
0: that- that's fine uh okay. you can, you can- if-, if you feel that um you want to complain about uh, your Soul warranty? <laughs> By all means. <laughs>
2: the Soul Bro warranty. Because
1: I don't get enough. <laughs> hey,
0: who 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 opens his mouth and puts himself out there all the time? Yeah, uh, hey, you know what? I
1: I I do, and um, I'll continue to put my foot.
2: Double O is like the, the most head. magnificent show ever made. If you do not sketches. like this, then you there's something wrong with you. Um, season two.
0: Nice. Yeah, go 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 tell that to um the 4chan uh, Soul Bro I will Go have a nice talk with them about O season 2 <laughs> I, I will with viscosity I'm sure they'd love to tell you about how there's no writing horrible writing bad writing crap characters oh, worst Gundam God. ever worst Gundam since Destiny because oh. <laughs> they set the pace when it comes to taste apparently
1: well then uh, Eddie, that's, all. Uh, that's all you got? Oh, yeah. man. Well, uh, that's, that's, that's rousing news, man. I am excited for the mailbag. I can't wait to hear what questions people do have to say. And um, if that's all for the moment, we'll be back with rousing discussion about Legend of the Galactic Heroes. You're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. They blew up my car! They blew up my car! They blow my car! Gun damn shame. They blow my gun, gun damn car and all you got to say is a gun, gun damn shame! No car, no money, you're having a bad day. That's it! I'm through with you, man! I'm calling some of my homies, I'm getting a loan, and I'm stepping the f*** off!
0: Need a cake but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious.
2: Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus. I can eat all the pizza I want.
0: Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that?
2: Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal.
1: That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking.
0: This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, We're going to be doing something a little bit different for uh, our first episode of 2010. And uh, in these two segments, we're going to be looking at the epic space opera series, Legend of Galactic Heroes. In this uh, first segment, we're going to be covering the uh, movie that started it all. My Conquest is the Sea of Stars, as well as the first two seasons. So, um, given that we're spending an entire episode on this uh, epic show, should probably give a little bit of uh, background to it. uh, Basically, the series is a large ensemble cast space opera set in the 36th century, and um, it's a story of a war between, you've got uh, two factions, the democratic Free Planets Alliance and the autocratic uh, Galactic Empire. On the one side, you've got um, Galactic Empire, which is a German and Prussian-inspired group of people who um, can be rather tyrannical. And then on the other, you've got the Free Planets Alliance, which is uh, ostensibly democratic, but uh, also a little corrupt and kind of sliding into into, uh, fascism. And uh, these two powers have been at war for over 150 years and have been at a stalemate for pretty much all of that time. Uh, In the far future, Earth gets abandoned after uh, some nuclear wars and humanity spreads out to uh, multiple planets and creates a galactic federation. But eventually, a uh, man named Rudolf von Goldenbaum becomes the leader of both the political and the military parts of the government and uh, not surprisingly seizes the opportunity to uh, take it all for himself and thus he creates the uh, galactic empire and a nobility class and totally subjugates humanity and does things like pass a genetic exclusion law to um, call out people that he considers to be genetically inferior and pretty much everyone is oppressed So after a couple of centuries, a group of people led by a guy named Heineson escape and uh, go on a long generational journey to um, freedom. And uh, they create the Free Planets Alliance with the uh, planet named after Heineson who dies along the way on the journey. And uh, they set up a democratic system kind of like how the Galactic Federation used to be. And eventually, uh, these two powers encounter each other in space and pretty much immediately go to war. On the one hand, the Free Plants Alliance, they want to end the tyranny of the Galactic Empire. And on the other, the Galactic Empire uh, sees the Free Plants Alliance as rebels and refuses to coexist with them and wants to put them down. So that sort of is the background of where uh, we find ourselves at the beginning of the series, which we should mention was adapted... um, from a series of novels by Yoshiki Tanaka, and uh, the anime adaptation was directed by uh, Noburo Ishiguro, who um, did the original Macross series. He did uh, Do You Remember Love? He did Orgus. He's worked on a lot of stuff, so he certainly got the uh, space opera credentials. And um, that brings us to My Conquest is the Sea of Stars, which is a pretty short one-hour movie released in 1988, and kind of sets the series going and introduces all of the um, characters, including the two main characters. Uh, Young Wenli, he's a brilliant but underappreciated strategist on the Free Planets Alliance side. And then on the other side with the Empire, there's uh, Reinhard von Musel, who also is a brilliant commander but uh, is greatly disdained because his older sister is a concubine to the Kaiser, and thus he's seen as just, um, riding in her coattails. <laughs> so, um, since the series focuses on mainly these two men, this movie chronicles, uh, their first encounter in battle, where, um, the Free Planets Alliance isn't doing so well, and, uh, Reinhard's about to basically kick their asses, but, um, the battle ends up taking them into a gas giant planet where, uh, Jan comes up with a strategy that, although they don't win the battle, it saves them from being utterly destroyed, and thus the rivalry between the two of them begins. So, uh, Neo, since you watched the movie, any comments on it? Well, when I first... I've been actually wanting to
2: watch this show for a very long, long time, and uh, one of the reasons why um, I just didn't was, you know... The sheer scope, and also for a while there, it was very difficult to get uh, the complete show uh, with the movies and everything. But in regards with this movie, um, it's just, I don't know, it, it opens. And it's like, even though you don't have too much of a, uh, a background yet of what the um, what the fight is all about and what the two warring parties are, you feel like you kind of know. It, it's, um, you know, it, it's very... The visuals are very stunning because you have the very prim and the very proper galactic uh empire officers and you know, and they're very you know, they're all standing at attention, they're all in their bridges, and their bridges are kinda ornate with these like the captain of the ship would be sitting there in this nice like chair and he's surrounded by all his lieutenants and everything. And then you see on the um you see on the Free Planet side you see the contrast which is you know everybody kind of looks the same the the uniforms aren't as nice they're not as uh you know they're not as um upscale they're just mainly just like a jacket and you know some pants and a, a beret a more
0: utilitarian
2: yeah more utilitarian and and you really wouldn't kn- you can't really tell who's not a um an officer if you didn't know unless you know unless you knew the rankings or something you know the little pins they had on but you could definitely see who's in charge on the galactic empire side um the other thing about it is, is that the scope of the battles is just immense um, you're talking tens and thousands of ships, millions of men fighting at one in one battle, and the scope of loss that they would have in some of these battles is huge and um, you, as you watch the, as you start watching the movie and as you watch the show, you find out this has been going on for a very long, long time this battle and Part of the thing is is these younger characters like yang and um and reinhard they're thinking outside the box than what the older commanders are because the older commanders have been kind of doing this for so long it's just kind of like oh we'll fight, we'll go back and forth, then we'll retreat and then we'll fight again and it's It's almost lost its meaning and it's almost lost um you know they they don't even really know why they're fighting and they make these comments to it and um but you, you, you see you see all this, and then the battle in, inside the gas giant is kind of amazing because for people that are in the strategy and like the way of people's strategic thinking, this is the show for them and and it's it's and they do it in a way where it's not it's not boring you know it, it makes sense, and the action it coincides with the um you know with the strategy and i mean you just kind of sit there in awe and it's like it's only about an hour or so and immediately once i got done watching the movie i'm like i got to get into the show because i need to see what else is going to be going on because it's just got a weird ambiance that i've never really seen in many other animes and um you could tell this is going to be a big a big production a, a big cohesive story with a lot of parts in it before you before it even really began and um you know, but that—that's kind of how I felt on it. But Chris,
0: one thing—I um, hope I—I little... I hope
2: I didn't stay, steal too much from what you would say.
0: Uh, no, not at all. Uh, one thing that um, the first movie is kind of lacking a little bit that you do have in the show that's very helpful is they show you everybody's names.
2: Yes, constantly. And that that, that and, and what's great about this is throughout the whole show, when they show when they when they show, even if you know who they are, they still put their names underneath because there 's so many people
0: and they all have such very long Germanic names, oh my god <laughs> and it 's just such a huge cast on both sides we 're talking literally you know there 's hundreds of named characters that show up in this series, and it 's impossible to keep track of all of them, so first movie kind of doesn 't do that for you so that 's a little no that 's a little a little annoying, but um, what 's interesting about the movie, and of course, is the theme later in the series is the contrast of these two characters and the sort of systems of government they're in because, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Young, he's a very smart guy, but nobody wants to listen to him because, you know, there's just so much bureaucracy in the alliance and they're just so set in their ways of thinking of this is the way we've always done things, so this is the way we'll always do them. Yeah, which you know, just on the face of it, is ridiculous because these people have been locked in a war for 150 years. I mean, wouldn't it be obvious to say, well, the way you've always been doing things is the reason you're still at war for 150 years?
2: And there's a and there's a lot of jealousy within the Free Planets Alliance towards him because you find out within the movie and then later on in the show that he was he was the hero of Elphel, which there was this attack on this planet and he helped organize getting all these citizens off the yeah. planet when the regular military didn't want it they could care less if these and abandoned didn't. him there yeah and so in the eyes of the population he's a hero but but in the
0: military he's disdained
2: yeah i mean wow. they try to keep him down the only reason why he even takes command in the movie is because all the other commanders above him get
0: killed <laughs> it sounds like Patton. Yeah. And, and, you know, the, and like I said earlier, the tactic that he uses of igniting the gas on this um, gas giant planet, it doesn't win them the battle, but it stops them from losing. Oh, yeah. yeah. But had these guys been going the way they were going, they would have certainly lost if not for his intervention. Then mm-hmm. on the other side, you've got Reinhard, who uh, is equally as brilliant, but he's held back... Um, not so much because of bureaucracy there certainly is that that staid stale thinking at place in the empire too maybe perhaps more so than the alliance because they have a longer history so that's working against them of this is the way we've always done things but then as i also mentioned just this complete hatred of him by the nobles because uh his sister Rose is the um concubine to the kaiser uh friedrich the 4th and Ooh. a lot of people just you know derisively call him the blonde brat yeah. and see him as uh, just some young punk because he is very young at the start of the series he's only about say 20 and he's already pretty high rankings at admiral level and they see him as you know just getting his position because of who he knows when it's kind of odd given that a lot of these guys are incompetent and yeah. they're only in the places they are because of the people that they know because of their family names so exactly. I don't get what they're complaining about <laughs>
2: Just jealousy again. So his yeah.
0: genius is
1: diminished because of nepotism, which they themselves are, were, are at because of that. I mean, it, that's kind of funny.
2: <laughs> and, and, and that's one of the conflicts that you see throughout the show is, you know, you, you see that, you see, like, what's in a name, what's in that, you know, and then you also see, like, later on, the contrast between the two styles of government and, yeah. you know, who is, that, who is actually right. But
0: And then uh, as we carry through into... um the first season Reinhardt's put in command of a large fleet and he's got a couple of uh, experienced admirals put under him and they immediately raise objections to the way he's doing his planning saying we're not going to lose this we're going to win and he's like oh but we are going to win and um, unfortunately uh, Yang doesn't get listened to and no. uh, pretty much exactly as he predicts the fleets that um, the Alliance sends in to fight the Empire get totally cut apart just as he said they would yeah but you have these stubborn commanders who you know, oh, we got to do this we got to go rescue these guys we got to fight even if it's futile blah 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 who just can't escape out of the box and the tunnel vision that they see everything in and um when yang pulls off another um impressive uh tactical victory um uh, which sort of takes away the total victory away from reinhardt that sort of solidifies the rivalry and it sends uh young rising up the ranks and he gets quickly put in charge of attacking and conquering uh Izerlone, which is the empire's impregnable fortress yeah. we should mention that um there's a lot of unstable space that's between uh these two em- these two uh organizations uh, and there's only two navigable corridors one mm. is uh the Fazan corridor which um is run by this neutral planet called Fizan, which kind of belongs to the Empire, but is sort of semi-autonomous. And only uh, trading vessels are allowed, and passenger vessels are allowed through there. And the other is uh, Ezerlone, which is guarded by this huge, gigantic Death Star-like fortress. That's made out of liquid metal. Yeah. And every time that the Alliance has tried to attack Ezerlone in the past, they've always utterly failed, because Ezerlone has this... um, giant death ray called thor's hammer yeah and it's also got its own home fleet
2: yeah it's it's and so you know it's just it's just a big stalemate and you know it's and they
0: just they cannot advance into imperial territory until they get past this uh fortress but they just can never get past the fortress and yang is put in charge of capturing this fortress which is a seemingly impossible task and you know he's really not given many resources he uh he's given this ragtag fleet of you know old guys and and newbies, and he picks up um, the sort of uh, rowdy bunch of uh, ground combat specialists known as the Rosenritter. They're all made up of... um, the descendants of imperial defectors, yeah, and they don't really have that good of a reputation because several of their commanders have defected back to the empire. <laughs> yeah, and they're sort of just seen as not good guys. But Reinhard kind of likes them and their uh, their commander Shenkop, so he decides to uh, put them in critical control of this plan. And at the same time, there's some bad things going on on um, on and You've got um, the uh, Secretary of Defense Job Trunit, who is just the epitome of a sleazy politician who you know he'll kiss babies in public and stab you in the back. Oh no! Or, or he's have got you taken these,
2: away with your with his Ku Klux Klamen?
0: Yeah, he's he's what? got this uh, this group of masked followers called the Patriotic Night Corps. Yeah. who basically are just um, a bunch of uh, masked uh, redneck militiamen. Yeah, awesome. I mean
2: they actually kind of look like Ku Klux Klamen. Like they yeah. wear sheets and hoods on their heads. That's and yeah, and they're in their Uber they, they
0: beat up people yeah. and
2: killed. Clearly
0: cats are not the root for.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, they're they're the thought police.
0: You know? Pretty much, they're they're yeah. the thought police. If if you don't, uh, if you're not uh, a gun-toting patriot, then uh, you are siding with the enemy, and uh, you're gonna get your ass beat, killed.
2: Which we find out in season one, there's a um, there's a woman that uh, Yang had kind of a thing for that was actually gonna be uh, engaged to be married to one of his friends that got killed in the battle. And uh you know she starts speaking out against the government and starts they start going. coming
0: after her, yeah, Big surprise
2: Damn. yeah and she starts she starts go trying to run for government as part of this peace
0: party, and uh, she ends up getting off <laughs> so oh my
1: God, Gestapo all yeah. the way,
0: man pretty much so uh long story short, um Young, his fleet, and the Rosen they accomplish the impossible, and uh, they take easier loan without a single casualty, yeah. So now the tables have been completely turned because um, Ezerlone is now in uh, the Alliance's hands. So unfortunately, they um, launch a foolhardy invasion of the Imperial mainland, and Reinhard comes with a comes up with an interesting tactic, which is to remove all resources like food and supplies from all of these Imperial worlds, so that when uh, they get taken very quickly by the Alliance, the Alliance has to stretch out their supply lines to feed all of these people. Yeah. Ingenious. So it's sort of a very quick and extreme form of attrition, and it absolutely works. And during this one rather disastrous battle at Amlitzer, uh, the Alliance loses a huge amount of forces and gets pushed back. Yeah. All because of this uh, this crazy guy named Fork who had this uh, master plan. <laughs> who
2: actually goes nuts afterwards. <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, at the same time, uh, you know, Reinhard, he's been rising through the ranks with his friend uh, Kyrkiais. And his whole thing is that um, he wants to get revenge against uh, the Kaiser who took away his sister at a very young age to make her a concubine. So, basically, he's kind of going the uh, the Shah route of... Yeah. Uh, let me get my revenge by joining the organization that i hate yep, so nice. he and Kirki ice there they're rising up in the ranks and um, you know he just keeps getting more promotions not just because he's um, you know the brother of the emperor's favorite concubine but also because he keeps winning victories yep. and um, unfortunately the uh... the kaiser dies of sickness before reinhardt gets his uh, ability to get his revenge and not surprisingly, a civil war breaks out between um, reinhard who's uh, been placed sort of as a regent for the um, young boy who will be the next Kaiser versus all of the nobles who hate um, who hate reinhard yep. so since he uh, always thinks several steps ahead and he doesn't want the alliance to um, take this opportunity to attack them, he gets some dissidents within the alliance and he uh, Engineer a civil war within the alliance so that they stay occupied with their own civil war and can't interfere in his. Yeah,
1: nice. Yeah.
0: So it's interesting because you know, for the first half of the season, you've got the Empire and the Alliance fighting each other, and then for a lot of the rest of the season, it switches to them fighting, fighting themselves. Yeah,
2: with um, with and then and during that time too, you find out with that country, facade the planet facade that they're actually kind of in behind the scenes even doing that Jeez. you know helping uh with the yeah. uh alliance and, and the uh in and, and the and the in the empire
0: yeah fazan and its leader uh rubinsky they're kind of like uh the anaheim electronics yeah. of uh, galactic <laughs> heroes playing both sides against each other pretty much yeah. their own benefit. but he's also kind of uh secretly beholden to the earth cult which we'll get to later yeah So throughout the rest of the first season, um, you've got Yang dealing with the Alliance Civil War, which unfortunately is headed up by um, a commander that he very greatly admires and is the father of his um, head assistant and future wife. And unfortunately, uh, that guy has to die. And a lot of uh, good people have to die as a result of the Civil War. On the other hand, Reinhard uh, pretty much utterly beats... Uh, the guys of the Lipstadt alliance and um Prince Braunschweig who was the leader of that but unfortunately he pays a very high price because his uh his right-hand man Kirkyce who's like a brother to him and has been with him for you know 10 years uh gets killed while trying to save him and Reinhardt's a guy who um he always puts on a very good public persona and he never lets anyone see his weakness and he's always calm and controlled usually sometimes things piss him off but you never really know what that guy's up to but uh, you see such vulnerability in him right when uh, Ice just dies in his hands because it's as if a part of him has died
2: pretty much and that's pretty much the the, the,
0: uh, the cliffhanger of season one. Sounds yeah. like the guy was his emotional support well he well, was. Well pretty much I mean uh, th- aside from uh, his sister there was no one else in the world that he cared for more than this guy
2: and and you find out through this season and then, you know, later on in the uh, next seasons of how their, um, you know, how their relationship was. And, yeah, you, you see,
0: know. up to that point, there's been plenty of flashbacks of the two of them yeah. meeting as kids, um, you know, their uh, their friendship developing, some of the hardships they've gone through. So their friendship has developed very well throughout the first season and also even after, you know, there's more flashbacks to how they used to be. So you see how important this guy was to him. Yeah, and...
2: And 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 it's one of these things because to an extent you 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 see throughout all of season one that Reinhardt's a very confident man and he's very confident in his abilities. But then once once um, gets killed that we we see later on, he starts questioning his ability.
1: Oh man, Dare because he
2: was the counterbalance to you know because sometimes Reinhardt would have the blind ambition of just going yeah. and doing. He get what a, little
0: he'd too, uh, a little too a little too angry and emotional about something and uh was always sort of the uh the calming force to bring him back to reason, yeah,
1: dare I ask were they were they more than friends
2: <laughs> <laughs> it, it it would seem like it there was sometimes it 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 kind of implicated that, but no they they were not we we i I know we've stated jokes before about we, we the bromance. We've joked about it,
0: but no, <laughs> no nah.
2: And 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 I, I guess maybe Chris, before we go into season two, we should probably just also say that, um, in addition to everything, everything's very manly. Like oh. everything is done in especially with the Empire and stuff. they're very manly in the way that they direct their orders and stuff. Yep. And the first couple episodes of the show, of season one you know the only real woman you see is uh is um reinhardt's sister Anna Rose, because you know most of it is dealing with all the battles and stuff but it's and, right. well there's
0: also uh that that girl jessica jessica yeah the Alliance.
2: but you know and and you see on both sides both the um uh the the alliance and the empire how the com you know camaraderie between the soldiers how that is and, that, and that's kind of how kind of very manly and you know, you see these guys. That, what was it? The the two pilots, um, Poplin and I forget the other Poplin guy. Poplin and Konev. Konev, yeah. I mean, you see you see these guys, and you know they they are like the old salts of um, you know the fighter pilots, and they've been going through. And did Konev? Did he die in this season, or was this? No, the, it
0: it was um, season,
2: season two. Two, okay. Mm-hmm. So, but um, yeah. So yeah, it, it we we've joked about it, but it it's not in that way <laughs> it's not
1: it's not yaoi are there are there any female like besides um Reinhardt's sister i mean are there any female soldiers that are like featured in the show even briefly? there are some
2: um mostly on the alliance side
0: young uh he has uh, an assistant who uh frederica greenhill who um i mentioned she's the daughter of one of the top alliance um commanders right she's his Basically, his right-hand woman who handles all of the uh, little messy details. Because should mention Yang uh, as kind of his character. He's kind of very interesting because um, even though he's a tactical genius, he never wanted to be a soldier. He just joined the army for money so he could go to college. <laughs> yeah.
2: Oh, no! He did it for the GI Bill. <laughs> the GI
0: Bill! <laughs> he, he wanted to be a historian. Yeah. But then he just got sucked into the war. He became part of history. <laughs> uh, yeah. So the thing about uh, Yang is he, he likes to drink a lot. Nice. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time, uh, every time he orders tea, he always makes sure to uh, ask that uh, Brandy be put in it. Nice. And, That's
2: awesome. And, and he's
0: very much kind of like a lazy slob.
2: Yeah, and, and, and this is a guy that will sit there and he'll actually drink during a battle. And Ooh. in between battles, he'll sit there and fall asleep on the bridge.
0: Yeah, with his legs propped up on top of a console. <laughs> what?
2: Or sometimes sitting Indian-style on top of a console.
0: And, oh my and God. he's just a total slob if, and yeah. would not function as a human being if not for uh, his foster son, Julian, who cleans up after him and basically takes care of him. Yeah. Man. Instead of the other way around.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's it's yeah, it's kind of funny because you, know, you have him as as, you know, the tactical genius on the Alliance side, just a, you know, a complete mess in his everyday life, and then you have somebody like Reinhardt who's you know, he's very disciplined, and yeah. you know he makes sure yeah. he has all his bases prim covered.
1: And, prim and proper. Yeah, even even outside of battle. Yank sounds awesome though, man. He sounds like a
0: male version of Sumeragi, man. But, um... <laughs> maybe uh but there's other women too and i mean even the first season uh reinhardt uh his sort of like um, right hand woman is uh, a noble named hildegard von mariendorf mm-hmm. who has a very shrewd political mind and very early on becomes the very first person to come out in favor of Reinhard ahead of the civil war happening yeah mm-hmm. so she decides to cast her lot with him before even the first shot has been fired. So he he sees how valuable she is and um uses her um for uh, her various skills. And what's interesting is um after Kirkyx dies, in a way she kind of takes his place as sort of the reasonable person who uh, can balance Reinhard and and um, sort of talk him down from some of his more emotional impulses, right. but never quite to the same extent that Kierkegaard could because Reinhard cared about Ice so much and trusted him for so much for ten years that yeah. mm-hmm. even though she is very skilled and says a lot of the same things Ice would, it doesn't have the same effect simply because he's gone. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. So moving into Season 2... Uh, we have um, the alliance kind of recovering from uh, its civil war, and uh, unfortunately, that slime Trunit, he sort of becomes the, uh, the head of the government. Yeah. <laughs> and um, through some sneakiness from Fizan, uh, Young gets drawn away from iserlorn which is his command to answer all these accusations that he's building up power for himself to seize control. And he sort of gets grilled in this Inquisition by a bunch of uh, sleazy politicians. This has all been planned by Reinhard because he wants Yang away from uh, Ezerlone so that the Empire can retake the fortress and invade uh, the Alliance.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
0: And a whole bunch of stuff happens, including uh, them taking... Another one of their fortresses, Geiersburg, which is the same type of fortress, and warping it through space to attack Ezerlone. Yeah. And there's this huge battle between these. Imagine, if you will, the equivalent of two Death, Death Stars fighters. Yeah.
1: Oh my God.
2: With, uh, with, with their respective fleets and fighters <laughs> yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Giant
0: fleets, too. That can't end well. <laughs> so. <laughs> and it doesn't. It Dang. doesn't. And the, and the thing is, the timing, of course, is that this happens while Yang's not there. Yeah. So you've got all of his people desperately scrambling to cover for the fact that he's not there waiting for him to get back yeah and then when he finally does get back they turn things around and um the empire just loses really badly to the point that the commander the admiral who was put in command of this he decides to go for an all-or-nothing strategy of smashing Geiersberg into easer yeah which, coincidentally, is the very tactic that both Reinhard and Yang commented they would have used just from the very beginning to get it over with. Yeah, pretty much. Ooh, damn. Man. But unfortunately, it fails and he dies. Mm-hmm. Oh. So then Reinhardt has another idea, which illustrates how he thinks out of the box. Uh, invading Fazan, mm-hmm. which everyone thinks is crazy because, you know, you can't go through there. It's a trading quarter, And his sort of uh, response to that is, just because it's been that way, why does it have to be that way now? Yep. And really, there is no reason.
2: Yeah, it's just one of these gentleman agreements that both yeah, sides have. Yeah, it's just have. something
0: that you know people agreed to for whatever reason, even though there's no reason to it. And no one ever thought of this before him because they all see things in such narrow ways. They just presume, well, we can't go through there, so there's no point. So he very easily sends his fleet through and uh he conquers Fizan and they break right through as Yang predicted and unfortunately uh the alliance has been crippled because of uh the losses they had at Amlitzer when they uh launched their ill-fated invasion of the empire and they also lost even more ships and people during their civil war so they're spread very thin and unfortunately um you know in the the climax battle of season two at Vermillion um the last of the big alliance fleets gets destroyed along with uh, its veteran commander, and uh, Yang is forced to abandon Ezerlone. And um, right when Yang attacks uh, Reinhardt and is mere moments away from killing him...
2: Yeah, just mere moments, too.
0: Literally, they're locked on within visual sight. Right when he's about to do that, It all goes to hell because an Alliance fleet, I mean, uh, an Imperial fleet, they broke away and occupied the defenseless Alliance home planet, Hineson. Oh, no.
2: Who surrendered unconditionally. Which
0: surrendered instantly. Yeah. Told him to surrender. What a twist of the knife, man. Pretty much. Now, here's here's the rub of it. One, it sucks for Yang because he literally was a moment away from saying open fire and killing Reinhard. Damn. And two, for Reinhardt, it sucks because he didn't get to win or lose by his hand. Yeah. Damn. He basically, the way he sees it, he won because someone handed him the victory. In this case, Hilda, yeah. who suggested to uh, his two top admirals, uh, Roy and Mittermeier, that they go attack Heinesen.
2: Yeah, without his knowledge.
0: Without his knowledge. Yeah. Smart move, though. Oh, smart very smart move, move yes. yeah.
2: And, and even he says the same thing, but it just bothers him because at this point, Reinhardt's never lost.
0: Yeah. Oh, wow. And the things... And, but the, and and what bothers him is that the things that he's wanted to do most um, have been taken away from him because he wanted to personally kill uh, the Kaiser yep. and get revenge, and the guy went and died at him with natural causes. Mm-hmm. Damn. And after that, he wanted to beat Yang and conquer um, the Alliance by his own hand, And then on top, and then that gets taken away because a victory is handed to him. Yeah. So, uh, sort of the end of the season is a very interesting encounter that, you know, we know, we, everyone's been waiting for, which is the two of them (sighs) finally meeting face to face. What's, and
2: I, I, and I think it was probably that episode was probably one of the best episodes of the entire show and you got to see both of them finally um you know sit down and talk
0: yeah and it's a very interesting uh conversation because Uh you know one of the things that i appreciate the most about the galactic heroes is the maturity of the writing because uh no side is written simplistically the way a lot of other anime series about or are where we're the good guys they're the bad guys they're evil right you know there's there's some bad people on both sides but uh, for the most part, most of the characters on both sides are good people. They just are on different sides. And what's interesting is the way that both sides have such respect for the abilities of their enemies. You know, These are two guys that can recognize that even though they're fighting to the death against this other person, they can respect that that person uh, has immense skill. Yeah. And they have great respect for each other even though they are mortal enemies.
2: And even though they fought against each other, one of the first things Reinhardt does is, because Reinhardt, as he's um, collecting power within the Empire, he does a lot of it by collecting people and and using a lot and using a lot of people that are kind of like him in the fact that they're not look you know the current establishment isn't looking too favorably with them, or they're kind of you know. You know, outside of the box type of thinkers, and he's collecting. And one of the first things that, you know, after they have their encounter is. Um, he
0: Reinhard- offers them a job. He offers them a job.
2: <laughs> cause he basically- it,
0: it, in a way, uh, Reinhardt is sort of the, the ultimate corporate headhunter. Yeah. Right. Because um, as you see throughout the series and also through the side stories, as Neil mentioned, um, he just has a really good talent for spotting people who are very skilled. And a lot of people that he finds that are skilled are people who are ignored and are low-ranking because of the fact that maybe uh, they're commoners or they did something that rubbed the nobility the wrong way, so they were sent out to you know the frontier to rot away in and nothing.
2: And, and what's always interesting, too, about Reinhardt is he's able to he's, – he's a very distant person. But he's able to sit there and, uh, get the emotions and, and he's able to sympathize with these, these people and, and to say the exact right thing to have them say, you know what? I'm going to cast my lot with you because you understand me. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, like Chris said, it's, it's very mature writing when it comes to, yeah. you know, cause it, it doesn't, cause, Throughout the show, uh, Yang talks a little tidbits about history and how history is going to look upon certain situations. And doesn't he say, he says it a couple of times that, you know, in in all wars, there's just one good and another good. You know, it's not always evil. Yeah, there's there's really
0: not many wars between good and evil. Yeah. And um, another thing that you kind of see it's evident by the end of season two is that even though Reinhard basically has won and now rules over the universe. Uh, and he has all of this power, he never forgot where he came from because yeah. um, once he's in control as sort of like the regent of of um, the Empire, he does all sorts of things, drastic uh, social reforms. He abolishes the nobility. Nice. Yeah. He gets rid of the secret police. He starts rooting out a lot of the uh, corruption in the military. Excellent. And you see here a sort of political debate, uh, especially in the first two seasons, of what sort of government is better. Is it better to have a benevolent dictator or a corrupt democracy? Yeah. Because you see the alliance is riddled with corruption and it's ineffective. And it's sort of like a story for the ages because uh, it can apply to sort of any age. I mean, I'd say it's relevant now, you know, the question of... uh, How effective a corrupt democracy is because you see the alliance is not run well at all yeah it's not it's run by you know the military industrial complex Uh, the war is viewed by very narrow terms of patriotism of you know let's keep fighting and sending more men to die and a lot of the uh, hawks who you know are sending men to their death are sort of fat-cat politicians who themselves are not fighting who are not risking their own family so these are the sort of like the cheerleaders who uh, who egg on war from the safety of behind the front lines yeah. back home. And then you've got the empire where, you know, one benevolent dictator can make um great societal reforms. Yeah. But the counterpoint to that is uh once that guy's gone, the next one who comes along may not be as good and that becomes yeah.
2: kind of the central issue of three and then the
0: pendulum swings back the other way
2: yeah and is that, that okay? kind of comes kind of the central issue with three and four when we get into uh, those two seasons of you know it's it's great that Reinhardt's did all this stuff and in some ways a lot of these reforms are democratic reforms which is actually a little shocking to even yeah. even to the alliance and even to those within the empire I mean who would ever thought of the, the nobility just being abolished like the way that they were and um you know, so
0: And it's interesting to see that even though these topics are discussed throughout the series, it also becomes a very central focus of this encounter between uh Yang and Reinhardt, where um Yang basically lays it out that even though a benevolent dictator is good, once he's gone, the next guy could undo everything. Whereas with a corrupt democracy, even though it's slow and ineffective, you can always replace the government with a different one. Yeah, that's true.
2: And 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 sometimes the reforms aren't as aren't as drastic as as they would be in uh you know.
0: Yeah. So at the end of season two, uh, we have a very drastically changed situation. Uh, Reinhard uh, is crowned the Kaiser and uh, becomes the first Kaiser of the Lowengram dynasty. Wow. And now the alliance is. Um, a conquered territory of um, of the empire and yang um basically decides to retire get his pe- oh, to get ho, his, his early pension 30s. Yeah, he get, wants his get his get pension. pension that's what he wants he just, he just wants his government pension uh, he marries um, Frederick. frederica greenhill and they just settle down um on hineson yep. he got away so clean I think it's it's most it's really amusing when uh when he's meeting with reinhardt and reinhardt says if i give you your life what will you do mm I just want to retire and get my pension. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the realest words ever spoken. And I mean, this is, a, this is basically the most powerful man in the universe yep. is offering you the chance to become his number two. Mm-hmm. Man. And you say, eh, I just want my pension. <laughs> and, and, and
2: it's funny, too, because up until that point, you know, Reinhardt is like kind of, you know, and all his lieutenants are, are kind of speculating what type of guy Yang is. What type of guy is he? And then when they finally, when Reinhardt finally meets him, he's completely different than what he thought. Because I think in some ways Reinhardt thought he was going like to see him. himself. Yeah. And and uh, in Yangrich. So it's just this this lazy guy. And and, and there, <laughs> this very informal lazy guy. Yeah. And Woo. there are some parts of him that are are you know like. Reinhardt, but for the most part, like you said, yeah, he's just some lazy guy that just wants to put in his time and get his pension and go home.
0: Yank sounds awesome, dude. <laughs> oh, well. he is. Oh, he is. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, to wrap things up, Neo, uh, any comments on, uh, seasons one and two? Um, just kind of incredible to see how, um, you know, in,
2: a, in about, what is it, about fifty, fifty three, fifty four 53, 54 episodes, how you can see a, a, a centuries old war be concluded and wrapped up. And not be done in a silly way, <laughs> you know, it, it, it was still just done with, um, you know, a lot of the stuff, a lot, a lot of, um, you know, the, the soldiers out on the front lines and, you know, just the whole commentary between the two, between the two forms of government and just everything in there. You, you just sit there and you're like, wow, this is amazing. And you want to see how it's going to work, which we find out in season three and four. So,
0: Yeah, and one thing I think you agree with, Neo, is that um, the storytelling is very dynamic in the series in mm-hmm. that it doesn't stick to just one thing and does it over and over again. This no. series is not just about these two governments fighting each other from beginning to end over and over again. There's a lot of stuff that changes. As we've seen, You know, both of these governments have gone through civil wars. You know, They've um, gone through sort of cataclysmic events and they've gone through very dramatic Dramatic turnarounds. Yeah, yeah. So it's not just a very simplistic sort of story of let's just keep fighting until they're beaten. Yeah, and and,
2: and you know you, you can look at and it, and nobody is safe. Yeah. Oh yeah, nobody is safe. <laughs> and um, you know the, the the funny thing is is like yeah, the war is part of it, but as we see with you you know throughout season one and, and season two that yes these battles are important and stuff, but yeah they are not the main focus of what's going on because there's so many so many things going on between you know. Reinhardt consolidating his power, the inability of the Alliance to, you know, trust anybody or their corruption with them then. And then, like, like we touched upon, Rubitsky and the Fasan government, you know, some of the things that they're trying to do in conjunction with what the, um, what's called the Earth Cult, which is this kind of uber, um, you know, ultra conservative religion, religious kind of order that we'll find out more in, in season, um, season three. And,
0: and also we should mention, uh, you know, it's not all about politics and fighting. There's, no. there's plenty of character development outside of all of these situations. And oh, yeah. I'm sure you probably enjoyed that in season two at the beginning, they took a lot of time to develop um, Reinhardt's admirals. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You see things like, uh, you know, one of the, the admirals, uh, Mechlinger, he's, uh, he's a skilled admiral, but he's also renowned as an artist. Yeah. Oh, wow. He's very well known.
2: Yeah, and, th- and then you get the uh, other admirals, Mittenmeyer and Royenthal.
0: Yeah, um, and you see Royenthal, a guy who is, uh, you know, he's a, he's a genius. He's considered one of the, uh, the twin stars of the Empire along with Mittermeyer. But you see how he has a very troubled background, yeah. and uh, he's got a lot of trust issues with women.
2: Oh. As, as composed and as, um, you know, as reliable he, as he is in the field, he's just reckless and stuff in his personal life. And and you see that.
0: And he's got this great friendship with uh, Mittermeier, who they've known each other for a very long time, and to a contrast to him, Mittermeier is sort of the devoted family man. He's got, um, you know a devoted wife you know he's one of the few admirals who's who's married and um, happily married too happily married you know you see that they have a very uh sort of happy relationship and you know the only thing that's a problem for them is that as much as they've wanted to they've never been able to have a baby yeah so you really see the humanity of these characters they're not just guys who are there fighting day in and day out you see that these are guys who have normal lives and then you got some others who um are scumbags scumbags and you got you know creepy guys like oberstein who um who's who's necessary (laughs) who he's one of reinhardt's top advisors and uh i would probably have to say he is the embodiment of the machiavellian character yeah Uh oh yeah man this guy literally is straight out of the pages of the prince yeah you know he sees he's a very cold person and a lot of people are um Creeped out by him because technically he's blind, right. so he has artificial eyes, oh, which nice. sometimes
2: don't work right.
0: Yeah, they look. You weird. see them like clicking and, and looking weird. And he's just a very cold person. He 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 speaks always like in this very like calm monotone voice. And uh, he's kind of a guy who totally rejects human emotion and human considerations. He only sees things. Um, through tactical and strategic lenses,
2: but yet it's funny that they start talking about where he had um, he. They comment about him. I forget what admirals it were. They were commenting about how cold he was and everything but yet they found out that he has a dog. He, he found it, like an orphan dog yeah, that he make cares a comment for.
0: That, that he's hated by humans, but loved by a dog. Yeah, <laughs> And he leads Reinhardt into some decisions uh, in season one to basically let a massacre happen to use for a propagandic effect in their favor against uh, Prince Braunschweig, which causes a rift between Reinhard and Ice that ultimately leads to Ice's death. And the kind of funny thing is, even though... Even though Oberstein doesn't understand human emotion and and just sort of can't deal with it a lot of the stuff that he ends up doing the the dirty stuff that needs to be done he's exactly right about oh yeah hold on uh,
1: do you think this i mean not not the not the clint not to um to give him a diagnosis but um do you think he's like a a candidate for asperger's or um (laughs) or or someone autistic i mean damn (laughs) he sounds like mr spock gone wrong
2: (laughs) well no it's i don't know really yeah he's not that way um
0: the thing about him is he's he's a guy who um you know, he, he makes it quite clear that uh, he's lucky to have born in the time that he was born in because if he was born in Kaiser Rudolph's time being blind, he would have just been killed. Yeah, oh, Jesus.
2: So, so he ultimately hates the Empire, too. Yeah, he
0: ultimately hates the Empire as much as Reinhardt does, and he wants to bring it down and change it. It's yeah. just that his methods are different because he's you know not an emotional person, whereas guys like Reinhard and Mittermeier can be pretty emotional.
2: And and the thing, I guess maybe the final thing about... him until we cover him in the other seasons is he's collected by reinhardt because he's one of the survivors of a doomed uh, attack fleet and he was telling you know he was one of the lieutenants to this commander and he kept telling the guy look this isn't gonna work this isn't gonna work and look the guy wouldn't listen to him Guy wouldn't listen to him so
0: and so he aban- he basically abandoned yep. and them and was in major trouble and then reinhardt used some of his political capital to rescue the guy yeah. and said okay you work for me now so the guy, is, the guy delivers results. Oh yeah, he's just not very well liked. Yeah. So I think that about does it for uh, this segment. Uh, we'll be right back where we'll be talking about um, seasons three and four. You're listening to Gundam at Mahq.
2: Boy, it's lucky you had these guys for smuggling. I never thought I'd be smuggling myself in them. This is ridiculous. Even if I could take off, I'd never get past the tractor beam. Leave that to me. Gundam fool! I knew that you were gonna say that. Who's the more foolish, the fool or the fool who follows him?
1: This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now, they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to godaddy.com and use the code GUN8 for 10% off any order not already discounted. GUN9 for $5 off purchases that are $30 or more on any items not already discounted. .com domain names are as low as $7.49 if you use the code GUN10. And last but not least, code 20H1 for 20% off hosting plans. For more information, you can go to gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the Sponsors and Special Offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. Suddenly, there was a terrible roar all around us, and the sky was full of what looked like huge bats, all swooping and screeching and diving around the car. And a voice was screaming, Holy, Holy Jesus, Jesus Holy where are these Guns!" This segment of Gundam at MAHQ
2: is brought to you by Petco. All right, everyone, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, this is Neo, and we're going to be going through the second part of our coverage of The Legend of the Galactic Heroes. Uh, this segment, we're going to be finishing up with uh, Seasons uh, 3 and 4, and just picking it up for where pretty much we left off. We start Season 3 uh, kind of in the same place that we were um, at the end of Season 2. We see that, you know, Reinhardt is now the Empire, and now he's doing a lot of the housekeeping things that you're going to have to do um, as being that. He's taking care of a lot of uh, social and domestic issues within the Empire. Uh, I know we talked about the last segment, and uh, we see that Frederick and Yang have actually you know, now married, and they are um, back on Heineson. And I don't think we spoke about this person yet, have we, uh, Chris? Uh, Admiral Meerkatz?
0: No, we, we haven't. Yeah, we,
2: we find out that he's he is um, he was a, a defecting uh, admiral from the alliance or from the empire to the alliance, and kind way of way back in season one. Yeah, way back in season one, and kind of one of the last kind of plays that um, uh, that Yang did while he was still in the forces was to uh, have uh, Admiral Meerkatz kind of escape with about sixty ships or so uh, to kind of be uh, hideouts and uh, basically. You know, but be, to
0: spread the rumor that he was dead.
2: But to spread the rumor that he is dead, yes. So um, we see that that's happening. Um, we also finally get to s- a little bit of um, uh, Julian and uh, Poplin, and they're f- heading back to Earth because they want to find out some what some of the issues are with Earth. And we have a couple episodes where we actually, actually about an episode or so that we find out some of the history and how why uh, humans actually emigrated from Earth out to space, and it's kind of even in the same thing. You know, everything was unified on Earth, Then um, there was colonies, and then the colonies thought they were autonomous because of you know Earth was so far away, and then you know kind of kind of that kind of that Gundam-esque type of uh, feel there. Yeah. And then we see, like Chris said, uh, the creation of the Galactic Empire and uh, basically earth has been long and forgotten as we find out in season three that the only real people there are the uh, we've mentioned them a couple of times and they're called the earth cult and basically what they are they they want everybody to move back and they want the restoration of earth as being the centerpiece of human civilization and it's they don't go too much into what you know some of their customs and beliefs are but all all you see is their uh, basically, uh, wearing these long robes, and we find out uh, later on as Julian and them infiltrate some of the, you know, one of the temples there on Earth uh, with the Earth cult, that these peop- people are actually being controlled by some like mind, mind drug, mind drug in their food, oh, and wow. uh, actually Julian and some of the guys they're getting affected of it, and they have to go through a whole, um, detox. A whole, ki- whole kind of detox thing. And in the meantime, we see that Reinhardt sent one of his. Admirals to Earth, and uh, basically, once they arrive, they uh,
0: they're immediately attacked. And well, the reason he sends uh, should mention the reason he sends uh, this guy Wallen to Earth is because um, the Earth cult uh, was behind an assassination attempt on him. Yeah, and that's since- right. They've been known to be causing so much trouble. He says, screw it. Let's get rid of these guys once and for all. Pretty much. And, and what's interesting is when you see uh, the mind control, it extends to just making these people like insanely suicidal. Like, yeah. They, they attack you like madmen, like berserkers with no consideration for their own lives or for their own safety. They do suicide bombings. They run into gunfire. They jump at you with knives. I mean, they're like, they're utterly insane as the result of the addiction to whatever this drug is that's in their food and their drink Whoa. yeah
2: and, and you see that the, uh, the followers are kind of a cross section of life too it's it's not just like young people it's young old and and, and yes. even some children young
0: old people from the alliance from the empire from Bazan. Yeah. they're from everywhere mm-hmm.
2: oh man yeah and you know so there's a lot of things going on there then you're introduced to the the grand bishop these mysterious people seeing what their whole ambitions are and then we kind of it was kind of you know shown early in the uh, previous seasons that there's some connection between uh, this man rubiski and the Earth cult, and you know, of course, it's it's kind of br- brought out more to light in this season here. And um, later on, we see that um, uh, you know, Reinhardt, of course, announces his new cabinet. He uh, puts uh, Hilda's uh, father as the new head- Secretary of State. Um, there's also you know a lot of other things going on with um, you know between uh, we mentioned them before, Roy Tall and Mittmeyer. Um, you know, there. This is really when we see how Ryan Tall talks about hit a lot of his demons, and you know about his lifestyle. And we later on find out that he's been kind of with this crazy woman who he later on impregnates, oh. and um, that's kind of a an interesting thing that kind of happens out of all of that. Um, we see here that there's um, there's also a point where uh, Ryan Hall talks about the empire, the emperors of the empire. So we also get kind of a you know a little bit more history back history of the empire itself and you know we see that yang is actually enjoying his life with frederick they're doing lots of things like going to the park and You know, just being like any type of married couple would, but and that that
0: they're being watched.
2: Yeah, we see that the um the uh yeah the Alliance government is being was watching him like a hawk because they're they feel that he's going he's got something up his sleeve that he wants to you know um take over power. So they're basically watching him and and all of his other lieutenants and all because they've been left with with
0: some some. Uh, semblance of autonomy yeah so you know the Empire's military forces pulled back there is a military presence on Heinison but they're not there under martial law however if anything goes sour in the Alliance Reinhardt has made it clear that he'll send them in at a moment's notice yeah so the Alliance is like being like uber cautious to make sure that Reinhardt has no justification to reinvade
2: and also to there are a lot of it these guys are blaming him for what happened um, yeah. you know they're, they're there's still a lot of jealousy and still a lot of hatred uh, with the politicians towards Yang, and a lot of that's being, you know, brought up with this surveillance here. As we find out, Yang is not in any way, shape, or form planning to, um, you know, to to rebel, And, and there's actually been some times where he's been
0: well, he is, but he, but it's it's a it's a long range plan. That yeah. He hopes to carry out like in five years, yeah. not something immediate, as all of the rumors suggest.
2: Um, then we see that there is, um, like Chris said, the uh, the alliance they had to start decommissioning and disassembling a lot of their uh, ships, and they're taking them to this point to do that. And then all of a sudden, um, we see Meerkats' fleet come in and take all of the a uh, lot of the decommissioned soldiers and a lot of the ships. That are um, you know there, and they switch sides, and thus I think they improve their. I think they get up to what about fifteen thousand ships or so, Chris, something like that. It went from maybe about, I don't remember the exact. Numbers. It was a few. It was a few thousand. They went from about, it was the thousands. Yeah, they went from a few about sixty or so to a few thousand. So it actually helps them, and of course, um, you know everybody, you know the the alliance is thinking that this is uh, you know orchestrated by Yang, and um, you know. They're, they, you know, they like Chris said. They're they're afraid that any any acts like this are going to uh, give Reinhardt a, a chance to uh, come and, uh, you know, uh, execute all their all their leaders and and put them and put basically the alliance under um, you know a harsher rule. Um, so we see that he's you know Yang is later thrown in prison because um, what is it? Oberstein basically kind of intimates that um, you know he. That Yang's doing all this stuff, working behind the scenes. So, of course, the Alliance throws him in, in the jail. And uh, then we see a lot of turmoil happening on Hineson because there's a lot of people supporting Yang. And so everything's just going from,
0: um, you know, going from
2: an okay yeah. situation to So it's up a really whole chain bad.
0: of events from, like, uneasy peace to, you know, oh, crap, there's <laughs> stuff blowing up and people rioting.
2: Yeah, and, and I mean, it, it, it's... It it comes down to things like uh, the Roy- the Rosen Riders going and they like capture the uh, the prime minister and um, you know so of course the military the alliance military wants to save Yang, but they um, end up you know and they, they, they willing to sacrifice the prime minister to do that so uh, the the turmoil just keeps going um, going crazy, um, you know a lot of things happening on a lot of burning a lot of buildings being burned down, and uh, later on um uh, Yang is freed from his captivity of course and then he goes off to the planet where he got his basically got his fame Cell, and um you know after that, learning that Cell had declared independence from both the empire and the alliance so you know he's he goes over there with meets with them thinking that that's a good idea to meet with them, and uh, you know, they have kind of a base of power there. But well, he does that
0: uh, after retaking Easer loan again.
2: Yes, I forgot about that. Yeah, they, they end up taking out Ezerloan again, which is a, a very interesting way that they did it, where they were using a lot of deception, a lot of code words uh, to try to lure out one of the, the more um, uh, aggressive... Uh, admirals within the uh within the empire and, and they
0: use a trojan horse that they had left behind yep. for they right before they abandoned it at the end of season two and what's interesting was they mentioned that they were leaving something there when they were abandoning the place but they didn't say what it was yeah and it's so like- something that just comes out of nowhere
2: yeah it Ends up being a computer virus, which basically allows them control of everything. And, of course, they take over Izzerlan again. Oh, no way. Yeah. And, um, you know, now with Izzerlan in their possession, like I said, they went back to uh, Alpha Sal to, you know, basically thinking that this is going to be, a, a, you know, it might be a little bit better. Um, you know, of course, these, their, its politicians are talking the right talk and everything, but then w- later on we see that basically once the, once things get tough on their, you know, uh, on their end, they basically abandon Yang and the rest of his forces with him. Um, you know, but they still have Iserlon, so it's, it's not that big of a problem. Uh, the Imperial fleet, um, a lot of the Imperial military goes back and they're going to try to repel the, uh, impending Galactic uh, Empire invasion. We see. Um, did we talk about Admiral Bullcock? I, I think we kind of mentioned him last segment. Yeah, we right? mentioned
0: that uh, that he he went out valiantly at the end of season two.
2: Admiral Bullcock? No, he gets killed in uh, one, doesn't he? Or season three? Season two. Oh, he does, man. Yeah. Okay. You sure about that? <laughs> Was it? No, it is season three. Oh. Yeah. No. Oh no, it is season three. Season three. Man. Basically, Admiral <laughs> Bullcock is. Um. He's one of the only, alliance officers that's left that understands. Yeah. Um, but he's so old and he feels that, you know, he's just got this thing like in, in time, you know, uh, I, I'm too old to do this. This is left for, you know, people like Yang and them. Yeah. Um, he actually organizes the remaining military fleet of the, of the Alliance and, uh, sacrifices himself along with some other, uh, admirals that are kind of like-minded like him and, in and in kind of really a one-sided battle against the Galactic Empire forces uh to bide some time for Yang and them to escape back to Israelon. And um you know, and and then we see uh out of you know, because of what happens, um, you know, um uh, Reinhardt basically uh you know subjugates uh Hinesen and he establishes a military um governor and everything like that in there. Um
0: and he puts uh Royenthal in there.
2: Yeah, he puts Royenthal as the um as the military governor And um, this is also when uh, there's also some things going on with uh, the Imperial police are thinking that Royenthal is uh, wanting to, you know, take over, overthrow Reinhardt because we we find out earlier in season one and so that he has kind of the similar ambitions. As Reinhardt does, does so. but
0: um, he sort of gets set up with some some dirty uh, yeah dirty things being done again by you know Fizan and all these people planning the suggestions and the right people to um, you know get the rumor mill going and then it all just escalates out of control to the point where he's you know standing before Reinhardt having to answer to. Um, these accusations
2: and a lot of it comes from the fact that he's been messing around with this woman that's like a no she she was an old noble right chris um yeah she was um daughter of an old noble and she
0: was a she was uh related to the lichtin family which was the prime minister at the time of uh the last kaiser and uh Roy Antal supervised the liquidation of that family. Mm-hmm. But I think didn't it turn out later she really wasn't related to that family? Something like that. Yeah. I d I don't I think it was just she was just kinda
2: crazy. I mean, she ends yeah. up being real crazy but a lot Yeah, of, I think
0: she was just crazy and not actually related to the Lichtenlads.
2: Yeah. Um but, they, but the appearance of it, and the fact bad
0: that for
2: yeah, and the fact that all of a sudden it gets found out that she's pregnant too, and you know that with her child. So that's you know, of course, like you said, Roy was brought in front of um, Reinhardt to explain himself, and um, Reinhardt, you know, believes what he says, and um, you know, lets and him go and made
0: him the uh, the the governor of the a- entire alliance territory. Yep. What? As a show of his um, faith in him.
2: Yeah. Nice. And this is when we see uh, a lot of stuff starting to really go bad. There's a lot of things going on in Hineson with a lot of damage. Uh, a lot of the um, the security in some of the old imperial territories is actually at um, you know having some problems too. Um, we uh, that this is when um, there's some terrorist bombings on Fazan. So there's there's a lot of this stuff going on, and a lot of it is being carried out by a lot of the Earth Cult forces. You see a lot of these um, these people. Uh, um, you know, at the scenes, of a lot of these uh, bombings and stuff. Um, then the um, there's going to be a fight at. They're trying to go after um, Izorlan again, and then we get one of um, the one of basically the one of the final battles of Yang. That he, he goes against the um, a guy named Bittenfeld, who's uh, Bittenfeld, which is one of the more aggressive uh, admirals of the fleet. Of the, yeah, he whoops uh, r- that guy, and he kills this guy. Yeah, he basically does. And, no, he didn't
0: kill Bittenfeld. He killed. Well, I uh, mean,
2: uh, he killed like his. You know, he killed his uh, his fleet. Not, he didn't kill him, but yeah.
0: Yeah, he, he whooped them. He killed uh, Fahrenheit, who was one of the uh, the top admirals, and. Um, it was a very interesting.
2: It was a very interesting battle because they are what what the um, the strategy of the alliance or the strategy of uh, not the alliance but the empire was to basically wear them down with the uh, attrition. Because they, they basically outnumbered him almost like three to one. But the way that Yang actually, um, kind of counterbalances is a very interesting, and this is about a three episode, um, battle. battle. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So, and, um, this comes a point to one of the, one of the other spoilers in this show. Um, we see that there's, um, you know, there's assassination attempt by the old uh, commander of one of the... Uh, Am- what was it? Amit, sir? He was the architect... Yeah, Fork. fork. Tries to kill... AKA Amaro Ray. Yeah. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Gundam voice actors. We'll, we'll, nice. we'll talk about that nice. when we finish well, there's up There's many here.
1: characters in this show. I don't know how they didn't tap into the whole voice acting network in Japan.
2: Oh, they did. <laughs> oh, they did. Man. Yeah so yang is trying to he's trying to meet up back with uh, uh, the fleet he's on a ship it gets taken over by some uh uh people um some earth cult and uh, but they're
0: disguised as uh imperial troops imperial troops because yeah. they were uh, they were on the way to uh, peace negotiations with, with uh, reinhardt for a ceasefire and uh then this stolen imperial cruiser comes along filled with earth wackos disguised as imperial troops and this is, really, this
2: is where you really see that Yang um, is only a soldier name only um, because he's very out of his element when it comes to something like this, even out of his element carrying a gun. And, yeah. There's uh, people just
0: getting mowed down all around him, the, the politicians he's been working with, uh, his fellow officers sacrificing themselves to save him. Yep. And uh, he's basically just left to wander around this, uh, this ship by himself.
2: And then there's some wacko that that sees him and then shoots him in the leg. And did Yank kill him, or how did that guy get killed? The guy that uh, shot him. I can't remember. And he just ran away. Yeah, that's Never right. Seen. Wait, wait, yeah.
1: wait. a minute. What happened to Wifey? Huh? She stayed back
2: home. She's home. back on on. Thank God. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She, uh, yeah, she actually stays back. She was sick. Yeah, she was sick, and um, I had to use that excuse too.
1: <laughs> i'm just kidding so
2: it, it's it's one of the one of the more memorable moments of the show i'd have to say because uh yang gets shot in the leg there's all this right kind of the artery yeah all this Ooh. chaos is kind of going on he kind of slumps in a semi-dark hallway mm-hmm. and he's thinking about a lot of things kind of taking you know stock of his life and wondering what frederick would say about all this and and some of and julian and and some of his other friends, and yeah. uh, basically, uh, he, just bleeds, to he death. just bleeds to death. Oh, come on! And this oh, is when really? it gets really buck wild because oh. Julian and them coming back from, uh, after they came back from Earth, uh, they're, they board onto the ship, and when Julian sees this, he's um, dressed up in, they have this battle kind armor. of battle armor, and a lot of what they use, a lot of the soldier combat, is with. Um, battle axes and bayonets because they have this thing called zephyr particles that if you... It's kind of like
0: Minofsky particles. It blocks stuff so they can't always use laser, laser weapons. Yeah, uh,
2: or, or it ignites the air. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, so they use loses. a lot of this
2: stuff. And he comes in and he sees uh, Yang dead on the ground. And it uh, just end up ends up
0: going buck wild on people, like splicing guys' heads in half. What? And just bashing their heads in and chopping off arms. And they have a lot. Of, the the hand to hand combat in this series is incredibly brutal. Very brutal. I would imagine Yang would have made it
2: all the way through the end, man. It's not a, oh, It's, it's oh, not damn. like there's tons. It's not like there's tons of violence in it just to have violence. But when there are violent images. Mm-hmm. When there is violence in it, they're very, very disturbing and very graphic and very detailed. I mean,
1: I remember you guys showing me clips of it, and yeah, just yeah, the level mean, of ultra violence we, in we, that we, show. We, there, I mean, it's justified given the um.
2: Earlier, there was stuff like with guys getting stuck in the you know in the burning corridors of these ships as. You know, as they're about to blow up, guys getting, like, melted. Yeah, and they're the, getting
0: immolated and, and there's guys, the like, crawling on the floor trying to, like, scoop their intestines back into their bodies. Yeah. It's
1: so, just, so so you guys are saying Haruhi fans need not apply?
2: <laughs> well,
1: I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding.
2: I, I, I guess we could leave that somewhere else. But um, just kind of finishing up uh, Season 3 here. Uh, basically, when this news goes hits that yang is dead um this is another thing that basically um affects reinhardt just as much as it does Kierkegaard probably not not to the extent but pretty
0: close to it it's a very interesting reaction the way the way he hears about the news because in season three uh reinhardt's been starting to get sick a lot with a lot of fevers yeah and uh hildy who is in love with him she brings him this news and um he gets really pissed and he says to her something like you know you know what gives you the right to give me such terrible news you've given me a lot of bad news in the past but this really just tops it all and oh who told that man that he had the permission to die by yeah. anyone's hand other than mine yeah. because you know for for reinhardt at this point having lost so much you know he lost his best friend he didn't get to have the revenge he wanted he didn't have the victory over the alliance that he wanted his sister doesn't want to talk to him hmm you know all he had left was the hope that one day he could he could face down Yang again and and beat him you know decisively, and now yeah. that guy's gone too, and he's just like breaking down. And he's like, "Why is it that no one ever lives on for my sake, and they always leave me alone?" yeah, dang man.
2: Yeah, very very kind of powerful, and we, and we see that um, you know Reinhardt sends an envoy to you know for condolences to um, to Ezerlon about yang's death, and it's you know it's lamented in um, on Heinison. And it's one of the one of the big uh, kind of turning points, um, you know, probably the second biggest turning point when it comes to um, the show. I mean, we see that basically here's one of the main characters gone and th- the effect that like Chris just stated how it had on Reinhardt. And we see in season four that how that really makes kind of a difference. Um, some of the last things here. One of the old admirals um, under command of Isolan takes all the dissidents because there's a lot of people that now that Yang's dead, they're kind of they're wavering. So yeah. they're and they
0: don't like the idea that Julian, who's a very young guy, has been appointed the military commander in no. Yang's place. Yeah,
2: I mean Julian's just appointed basically in name only. He doesn't even get a rank adjustment. He's just yeah, you know, he just does that. Just so thrown in this 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 um. This admiral takes a lot of, lot of the dissidents with him, knowing that, knowing his reason and basically telling Julian, you know, look, I'm, you know, I'm kind of done dealing with this. I'm going to take all the people that aren't going to be needed. We'll leave you with the people that are actually in the fight for you. So.
0: Even though he knows that other people will think poorly of him for doing this, but he's kind of taking it on himself because he knows what has to be done. Yeah. He has got to get those guys out of there, otherwise things are going to turn very sour.
2: And we basically end the season three with um, what's born is called the Isralon Republic, and uh, they basically state that they are, you know, autonomous from the Alliance and the uh, Empire, and um, you know, um, you know, they're, they're just going to be doing what they need to do, and then it's kind with
0: Frederica in charge of the uh, political spectrum.
2: And Julian, of course, of the military. The so, military. that's pretty much season three. Chris, any uh,
0: comments on season three?
2: It's
0: so much stuff that happens. I mean, yeah. you kind of find yourself wondering at the end of season two, like you know, which is exactly at the halfway point of the series. Now that the alliance has been conquered, what more is there to go on for another fifty-five episodes? And there's a ton. Well, as it turns out, there's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's interesting to see the development of all of these characters during the very short-lived piece and how Yang was planning long-term, like in you know five or seven years, to start a rebellion, but because all of these rumors get spread around, he's forced to show his hand very early. Uh, again, we mentioned uh, Royenthal, how uh, his his women troubles come to haunt him when he's placed under all this suspicion, and that's not the last of it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, this whole thing with the, uh, the Alpha Seal Republic kind of fails spectacularly when uh, these Earth cultists come and uh, they kill yang and definitely that's one of the top moments of the series when you just see him there this character that you thought would make it to the end because he's one of the two main characters yeah Yeah. and he just has this horrible death of dying all by himself bleeding to death from a gunshot wound in his leg you know killed not by reinhardt but by just some faceless wacko because you never even see the guy entirely you just kind of see that guy in the shadows and then he runs away and you never see him again the best laid plans yeah <laughs> to then all of the tumult of you know the declaration of this israel Republic and uh things just not looking very well for them yeah i'd have to say that
2: that you know a lot of times in a lot of shows a lot especially a lot of shows with uh, war in them we never get to see like the conclusion what happens at the conclusion of the um, of the battle, and you know we we see in this as the beginning of the show happens it 's a fight between. The Alliance and the uh, Empire, and we see that the Empire ends up winning and Now, in this episode we're seeing how all of that all of the things that are going to have to be taken care of I mean as trivial and as kind of tedious as it sounded that you would get you would see like all all the steps that you know all the kind of housekeeping and all the general administration stuff that um, Reinhardt has to do, it makes sense, and it shows that those a lot of those decisions are just as important as who wins or who fights within a battle. And, you know, it's it's one of these things that I think me and Chris have talked about this in passing before that. There's a lot of seeds that are, like, built, put in, like, the first three seasons that kind of bloom throughout the show. And a lot of it comes at the end of yeah. season four here, too. Um,
0: and people comment, other characters comment that, um, you know, that Reinhardt, that even though he's a very talented administrator, it's not what he wants to do, that his right. real life is fighting and that, you know, if Kierkegaard had been alive, he would have put him in charge of all of these administrative tasks so that he could, you know, do wow. what he wants to do. Yeah. And he's kind of being pulled in so many directions because, you know, he's had to build this government up from the ground. And there's just so much that he has to take direct control of. And he's dealing with battles. He's dealing with assassination attempts. He's dealing with political problems. He's dealing with, you know, issues like security, food energy uh he's dealing with personal sicknesses that keep popping up so it's just like there's he's literally got the weight of the universe on his shoulders yeah and and
2: and we he finds out as we find out as the viewer that um creating the empire his empire is easier it's not as easy as maintaining
0: yeah
1: yeah
2: very much so um but i guess that'll put us into season four the the last season of legend of galactic heroes and basically picking off where we're at. I mean, um, Reinhardt, just um, kind of like what he did when Kyrgyz got killed, he did the same here with Wang Yang. He just gets really involved in making sure he's just got something to do all the time yeah. and uh, keeping his mind going. Um,
0: There's a lot going on because he's announced that um, he's going to move the uh, the Imperial capital from Odin, where it's been since the beginning of right. the Empire's founding, to uh, Fizan because... He- he wants to have the capital closer to the alliance territories right
2: and um you know we we see a lot of the stuff that's going on um there's some things going uh you know roy Nital as governor of of the alliance he is now going through and taking care of a lot of the uh, politicians and a lot of the military guys you know a lot of the, um a lot of the um uh, industry people and some of the, um, some of the former, uh, Alliance soldiers and stuff. Uh, at the same time, we see that, you know, Julian is now put on this big burden of having to not only live up to Yang, but actually to have some type of plan for these people. And we see a lot of things that are going, um, you know, on with him and with, uh, you know, even within the people within Israel um, you know, even the people that stayed, a lot of them are questioning if, is he up to task? When it comes to all this, because you know they have a very daunting thing. There's only like a like less than a million people in Israel, and they're going against like a few billion in the uh, Empire. So you know numerically they're just always at a disadvantage. And um, you see, there's another atta- There's another assassination attempt uh, attempt made on Ryan Hardwell. there's a, a, you know it's a commemoration of uh, some of the war dead. Um, and this is when um, you know Ryan Hart is basically kind of shaken to the core because of what the soldier says to him. And uh, later on that later on that night, he uh, asks Hildy to stay with him. And uh, well, you know, she doesn't get home till the next morning. So
0: yep, oh. she does. She does a little walk of shame. <laughs> what? <laughs> well, what's and, interesting is in that moment because um, the soldier who comes at him, uh, his family was on uh, Westerland yes which is the planet that was nuked by Prince Braunschweig during the Lipstadt War Man. and that's the planet that Reinhard wanted to send a fleet to rescue but yeah. Oberstein said no let it happen and let's record the aftermath to use it for propaganda against Braunschweig to show how savage he is yeah the fruits of-
2: once again, something from season one. Yeah. Coming yeah. Something up from then.
0: that far back coming back to bite him, and it really just shakes him to his core because... You never uh, see him like this. Like,
2: yeah. He is just like, it, it just, I don't know. I mean, because he always, you could tell in season one that he had an issue with it, and he knew it was not the right thing to do. The
1: karma yeah. was going to come back and bite him in the ass.
2: <laughs> because in Reinhardt's well, way, that's how the old, uh, the old dynasty would do things and he his whole it wasn't
0: the just thing he wanted to save those people but yeah. he did want a fleet to be sent but um oberstein uh kind of forgot to give the order or forgot to tell him when to send the fleet so yeah, it was like mm-hmm. the wrong kind time. of caught him by surprise that that still happened but he yeah. still but the fact that he knew about it beforehand still makes him feel guilty yeah. but it hadn't come back to bite him like it did with this guy
2: and of course, because of what happened between Ryan and Hill, that he immediately goes the next day to, um, you know, to her father's estate, asking for her hand in marriage, which um, is a good thing. It's Quite amusing. Yeah, it's quite amusing, and it's also one of the. It's also something that um, when it's found out later on that he does this, it puts a lot of people at ease. Because something I neglected to say is, throughout the the last season or so, they've been telling him that he needs to start thinking about a wife so he can have an heir. Yeah. So that's something that's going on. Uh, We see that more riots and stuff are happening in the Alliance territories. Um, You know, a lot of people are, um, you know, a lot of people are rioting. A lot of peaceful demonstrations are becoming uh, not that, unpeaceful, um, you know, and a lot of the Earth a lot of the um, are trying to provoke uh, Roy Antal to uh, betray Reinhardt, and uh, we see that Reinhardt is, once again, you know, these guys are bred for fighting, he's bored and doing what he's doing, and uh, we see that there's some dealing with, um, with a, um, a politician in Rubitsky to try to um, provoke Roy Atal to betray uh, because this is something And, it, and it kinda
0: it kinda works because yeah. it's the same accusations that come up before and the thing problem with Royantoll is he's very prideful. Yeah. And given that he basically had to go on bended knee before Reinhardt before He won't do it again. He just couldn't bring himself to do that again even though he was being defamed and the charges were false. So he said, Damn it, why don't I give it a try? And, you know, basically what happens is uh, Oberstein kind of helps
2: instigate this a little bit, and we basically have have another rebellion, and this time between the Royalntal forces on uh, the Hinesan going against the Galactic Empire forces. And, yeah, and, and
0: Mittermeier is sent in to fight his best friend, which, which does not go well.
2: No, and and basically um, we have a battle, and you know, even though he's superiorly out- outnumbered in a lot of ways, uh, he puts up a great resistance, great fight. Um, there's a lot of commentary there with Mittermeier about um, you know having to face his friend, and you know Reinhard did it purposely, not only because he's their best general, his best admiral left. But he, you know, he wanted to see, probably see where Mittenmeyer's loyalties were himself. And, um, you know, we see that even his lieutenants or Mittenmeyer's lieutenants are, uh, you know, wondering what's going to happen. And, of course, the rebellion gets put down and, um, you know, Roienthal's waiting for, um, you know, what they're going to do with him. He got hurt during one of the battles and he's been nursing this wound like, for a couple of days. Without any surgery. Yeah, without any surgery or anything like that. And he just gets back at his office on Heinison waiting for um, uh, Reinhardt to come and, you know, put their thing on him, you know, to um, discipline him. And he starts calling in all these people. (laughs) And uh, he basically, uh, job truant, he kills that guy.
0: He kills that guy who's had his death coming to him since... The very minute his slimy face appeared on screen, because we couldn't, we should mention that in, um, you know, with the alliance conquered, uh, Trunet appears on uh, Odin and um, you know offers himself as basically a whore for the empire, yeah. and um, gets sent back to Heinisen to help with the administration, yeah, and so he sold out his own people and now he's a lapdog for their
2: conquerors and 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 uh, has no love for this guy. And Nobody does. He just basically they see what a snake he is. Yeah, he basically <laughs> just calls him out and then just shoots him right in the neck. Damn, and uh, the neck? you know, so a lot of people start visiting him. Um, you <laughs> the know, mistress. The mistress visits him with his child and actually leaves the child with him, uh, which later on and you know become uh, is adopted by Mittenmeyer and, and his wife because, like we stated before, they did not they were unable to have children, so. Um, yeah it was kind of a nice thing going on there right. um, we see after this, and really kind of just wrapping up season four here we see after this there 's still some more um, attempts on reinhard 's life. a couple of his admirals get killed um, and then uh you know he finally makes it back to Hinesen. Um there 's a lot of um, a lot of kind of you know a lot of kind of sadness that Laurental had to die because he finally just succumbs to his injuries at his death, which is kind of funny. Wow. And um you know, we see that um, uh later on uh the the wedding happens between Reinhard and yeah. uh, Hilda and Hilda. Hilda. Um, you know and, Who
0: is now uh Preggers. Yeah, nice. he's
2: Pregers with his kid. And uh basically we see uh one of the last uh battles here um, what?
0: They go after Izerlone.
2: Yeah, yeah, they go after Izerlone. There's a pretty good uh, battle here um, with... Meerkats gets killed in this one, doesn't he, Chris?
0: Yeah, and um, basically Julian, knowing that he's uh, outnumbered, goes for like a forceful breakthrough to try to get to the Brunhild, which is uh, Reinhardt's very easily recognizable white flagship. So it goes to a uh, hand-to-hand battle inside the flagship to get to Reinhard, and unfortunately, uh, Shenkop gets killed, but only after slicing apart like yeah, a whole bunch of guys. Ooh. And finally, uh, Julian, like just barely being able to stand, makes it all the way to uh, Reinhard, who is very sick, and the two of them kind of have. Um, you know, their big meeting kind of hearkening back to when Reinhardt and Yang met back at the end of season two. Right. And it's
2: actually kind of funny, if I remember it correctly, Reinhardt makes a statement that if it's important to him to meet, if it's important for Julian to meet with a Reinhardt, that he'll make it up through all yeah, the guards an and stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> and this guy's, Julian's like, he's like falling to his knees he's... and he's using his bloody axe to like hold himself up so that he makes it there to Reinhardt as an equal. And then he finally just collapses., <laughs> <laughs> so you know we're right now at the very end, and uh, they're kind of um, they're going to have peace talks, and um, unfortunately, the last remaining members of the Earth cult, they make a final attempt to go after Reinhard, and it's left to uh, Julian to uh, take him out, and uh, um, he takes out this guy, De Villiers, who was the um, sort of like the the co-bishop. And became the leader after the uh, the grand bishop was Just, uh, killed. Uh, yeah. Earth, and he basically finally gets his revenge for for Yang's death and wipes out the Earth cult. Nice.
2: And in this, and, but and during that time, um, Oberstein gets caught up in it, and he gets he's trying he gets to be, he gets blown away as kind of a way of um, decoy for Reinhard. Yeah, and um, we see that, and then one of the last scenes we see is that. Reinhardt is in, in his bed because he got really sick, and he basically dies. And not before, though, his, you know, he sees his son uh, because Hilda finally gives birth to his son. And, awesome. And um, at the end, uh, what is it, the two babies meet, Chris?
0: Yeah, they have um, you know Reinhardt's kid who I believe he named, what, Alexander Siegfried? Alexander Siegfried, yep. Mm-hmm. After, after Ice and uh you know he you know they're playing with um Mittermeier's kid who's you know of course was Royenthal. adopted from from Royenthal and um you know very telling that uh, the last image you see is uh, Royenthal's kid sort of like standing up and and pointing his hand out towards the stars yeah same way that Reinhard did when he was a young boy yeah oh, man so and that's
2: basically the end so i mean it kind of follows we kind of follow the life of um of uh Reinhardt and up until till that last point, so the end.
0: Well, Chris, I, I have any a... uh?
2: Well, Chris, do this real quick. Okay. Any Last thoughts.
0: You know, it's like it's such a long journey because um, you know, this series uh, it took in reality like about eight or nine years to come out, and the storyline covers about five or six years of these characters' lives. So you see a lot of people yeah. develop a very long time. A lot of them don't make it to the end. All right. Which is interesting because you know. How often do you have a series where uh the two main characters, none of them makes it to the end of the last episode? Yeah. Because Reinhard dies before the end of the last episode. Yeah. Oh man. And, you know, Kirki was like a pretty much a top tier, like close to the same level of Reinhardt and um Yang, but he died at the end of the very first season. So mm-hmm. it's rare to see a series aside from a Em all Tamino where <laughs> a lot of people make it but none of the main characters do. And the fourth season, you know, it's like you kind of wonder again what's left to do, and There's some of like lot. the worst stuff that happens happens in this season with you know the um, the useless rebellion that Roy and Tall was kind of pushed into. Uh, not just because of that, but also um, some of the younger admirals uh, had their own plans for their own glory and withheld some critical information that had that information been related, could have avoided everything from happening.
2: Pretty much, yeah.
0: And then, you know, this final push against Ezerlone resulting in the deaths of a lot of characters and, you know, that last attack by uh, the Earth cult. But what's interesting is that uh, even with all of the dark and dreary things that happen in season four, the series really ends on a hopeful note that, um, you know, there's still people out there who who are going to do good things that, you know, um, Hildy... You know she's she's the Kaiserine and she's gonna rule until Alexander, um, you know, can come into his own and she's she, gonna make sure that you know he's not a puppet for somebody and she's gonna show him you know the model of how to be a leader. You know you've got the Ezzelomo Republic recognized as an independent uh, group, so the the spark of democracy is not quite dead. And you've got you know Frederica and um, and Julian there. Julian, you know, he has this sort of romance that's been developing in the last few seasons with uh Shenkop's illegitimate daughter. Yeah, that's right. So things turn out well for him and uh you know, you've got the hope for the future, you know, the the, the sons of uh Royenthal and, and, and Reinhard, you know, and the, the wonder of will they will they uh become sort of the same men that their fathers were <laughs> and reach out to the stars with um, you know boundless ambition.
2: Who look very much like their fathers, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. But what were you? What was going to be your crest and silver? Well, I just wanted to know
1: if um after uh, Yang dies, does the duality of the story kind of um shift more towards a focus on Reinhardt? No, because does it still stay about the same pace? Kind
2: of in the way that once Jul- not only does Julian kind of uh, inherit um the position of yang he actually starts to inhe- inherit a lot of his mannerisms yang would do a lot of quiet thinking with himself in yeah. kind of a particular way and they even start kind of making fun of him because he's doing the same thing that yang does he's kind of he's he's actually kind of reacting sometimes in the same ways that yang did so no not really does i mean sto- does the story oh go ahead chris I wasn't gonna
1: say anything. Oh, sorry. <laughs> does the story suffer in any way um, after Yang's passing, or you know, it kind of it 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 still ramps up and keeps up the same? I don't kind think of it does because not at all because yeah.
0: it's an ensemble series, you know. Yeah. And even Fair though true. he's one of the main characters, mm-hmm. the series is about more than just that guy. That's that's cool. And
2: uh, and one of the things too is there's so many characters that you do finally get kind of. It's one of the few shows where. It, their their roles are all kind of summed up by the end. Uh, you know, most pretty much
0: anyone who's still alive at the end gets some kind of closure.
2: Yeah, and you know, and and you you find out even if some of the characters that weren't um, you know that were named and that had been in a couple episodes, if you didn't see them physically die, you heard about it. You know, it was it was acknowledged that so and so died, and um, you know. But any other questions? Can you think of any show that we've talked about in the past that? you know
1: that if anybody who's a fan of that show might be able to segue into the show very easily or, or enjoy the show just as much if not more
0: i would say um if you like space operas yeah. if you like politics whether you if you're a fan of live action shows like babylon 5 mm-hmm. uh, deep space 9 uh the new Battlestar Galactica. If you like those kinds of shows, there's no reason you wouldn't like yeah. and love Galactic Heroes because it's
2: got everything in there. It's got the
0: violence. It's got all the same elements that those shows have. It's got
2: the violence, the sex, the whatever you know, the the politics, the strategy, humor. There's some good humor in it, um, mm-hmm. you know. So the it, large scale. Yeah, oh, the, yeah, the the characters. Um, you know, lots of different characters that aren't just. Cookie cutter either, and and I guess maybe that'd be one of the kind of last things I'd say is it was nice to have a show where um, the characters aren't all as cookie cuttered as you would normally think.
0: Um, yeah, there's no cardboard cutout characters. Yeah, much.
2: and 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 even some of the major minor characters, the, there's enough personality with them that mm-hmm. sets them apart with the other. You know, not all the not all the admirals under um, under uh, Reinhardt were all the same. They're all different, and you knew each one of their um personalities at the end of the show. Uh even when you start seeing them on their own with their fleets and stuff, they're much different. You know, even their lieutenants are much different than them. Mm-hmm. And so that, yeah, that was kind of nice about it.
0: Even them, even then they're not all always doing uh space combat. Like one yeah. of his top guys uh is this guy Kessler who um you know he's he's a he's an experienced admiral in space battles but um, Reinhardt puts him in charge of the MPs. I guess who? So guess this who guy's oh. carrying out all of like the police investigations and trying to root out the corruption yeah. in the uh, military police and trying to investigate the assassinations. And a guy like that who. Goes a long time without showing up on screen. you really get the sense that you know a guy like that he's got a sense of purpose and he's got a very strong yeah. sense of justice and responsibility yeah and he's always trying to do the right thing, even when sometimes he's being kept in the dark for political reasons
2: man and I uh, guess guess who is voiced by
1: oh' don't tell me I'm sure the voice ofhore
2: sure. Yep. yes come on I guess that's, I guess that's something we should uh, <laughs> we should talk about too chris before we close this up is the plethora of gundam voice actors man within this pretty show. pretty much anyone from
0: gundam in the 80s or 90s is in this show uh, is in this show yeah Amaro, uh camille um judo too isn't it any judo, fam- any famous gun-
1: any famous gundam voice actors um uh, the voice of the main characters at all, or?
0: Uh, Reinhardt is voiced by the same guy who does Ko uraki What? At least he went on to do something awesome. <laughs> well, he started doing something awesome, because, uh... Yes. Galactic was way before 0083. Nice. He also, I believe, was the voice of Vegeta.
1: Oh, that means he was also the voice of, uh... What's his name, um... On Gundam Wing, um... Zex Marquis. I think it's the same guy. I think it's the same, uh, cat. Uh, th- if anything... Nope.
0: No, it's not. I know the, <laughs> you're, you're thinking of Brian Drummond.
1: Oh no, but I, I know the voice of Vegeta in the Japanese version of um, DBZ is also a voice of a famous Gundam character. I can't recall who, but um, Cole. Uh, Rock. Cole, Rock.
2: man, yeah, Christo. <laughs> Somebody gotta he, look it up. He but. was tell, He was asking me. I'm
0: and, looking at. I'm looking at. I'm looking at A and N. Oh, you're yeah, looking at his rap sheet right, right now? now. So well, I will stand down. You've got all sorts of showing up. You've got the voice actors of Bright Noah, mm. uh, Jared. Mm. Uh, Jamatov. Oh, yeah. uh, Captain Ramius. Nice. Um,
2: I mean, you've
0: got some Macross people. A virtual who's who. Yeah. You've got, uh, of course, the very talented uh, Norio Wakamoto. Yes. You know, uh, you've got a whole, whole host of like a who's. This this series definitely is a who's who of Japanese voice actors.
2: And, And it had to be for the amount of characters that were in it because. You could not have it. This is one of the things where you get a guy that does like two different voices. Mm-hmm. You know, he might be able to do two of the characters, but there were so many characters in it that, and and they they made they were all part of the story. They weren't just there as you
0: know just to have another character. They were all you know integral into the part of the story. So uh, we should also, by wrap up, mentioning that uh, there are some other things beyond um, the main OAB series. Yep. It's, as it stands. Um Galactic Heroes is the longest-running OAV series ever. It was not a TV series, so mm-hmm. you know those 110 episodes—they were all OAV. Yeah. Jesus, some of it was aired on TV, but it was not a TV show, so kind of has that distinction as the longest OAV series ever. Uh, there was, um, in the early 90s, a rather odd OAV called uh, Golden Wings, which showed one of the early adventures of um, Reinhard and Kierkegaard. It's very odd because the visual designs are totally different. Ooh. Wow! Um, they recasted all of the characters except for the narrator. Seriously? Wow! <laughs> yeah, it just it just has like a very early 90s look, if you know what I mean. Uh, right. Okay. So that's kind of out there. It's it's worth a watch, but you just gotta get used to the jarring change of the voice actors and. Um, all of the character designs and the mechanical designs are all different. There's also two side story uh, OVAs totaling up to about another 52 episodes worth of content set before the series showing all sorts of things... Uh, The early adventures of Reinhardt and Kierkegaard, um, the early goings-on of um, some of these major battles that are mentioned frequently throughout the show. You actually see some of those battles as they happened. You see, you know, what um, Yang was up to. Like, there actually is an arc in one of them showing how he became the hero of El Fasil and showing that whole situation as it happened. So, it gives you a lot of um, detailed backstory and fleshes out a lot of things that are mentioned in the main series. So... It's a whole bunch of stuff to talk about, which is why we'll be discussing it in a future episode.
1: <laughs> awesome. <laughs> We've
0: already spent enough time with us. this
2: this but um anything anything any
0: last questions or anything solid
1: man i I am psyched to watch this show that is i would
0: say without a doubt it's one of the best shows i've ever seen a lot of people say that a lot of things but this really is one of the best shows i've ever seen and i tell you maybe you agree uh neo that um after you watch this show your standards of comparing a lot of other things go up drastically
2: yeah one one of the last things i'd probably say on it is i do agree with what you say about you know it, it does help you um, you know with your standards you, it basically improves it not not to the point where you're being very like kind of like a story nazi but yeah you know But it's
0: it's it, it's, it's hard to give a lot of other things uh, a pass when a show this good has come along
2: when they're know? trying to be serious it's not the fact yeah. that, like if it's a silly show i know it's a silly show but yeah
0: if it's a show trying to do the same thing you know you got to give it a a bit of a more in-depth look compared to this show
1: sounds like this is the kind of show that sets the bar for other shows in the future and probably in Inspires other um, anime creators to to create the epics that they do, and um, I, I, if anything, um, you think this is uh, better than um, Ishiguro's Pat previous work on uh, Macross? I'm, I'm, it sounds like it is.
0: Well, they're very different types of shows. Yeah, yeah. it's hard. One is just uh, a robot series and one of the seminal robot series of all times, whereas this is sort of the definitive space opera because you can cite any number of space operas, anime that have come since then like uh, Banner of the Stars mm-hmm. and all these other shows, and they've somehow been influenced by Galactic Heroes, so yeah. nice. they're two very different kinds of,
2: of shows. Yeah, it's hard to say that, but I, and you know, one of the last things is that you know when people say epic the word epic this this is this is what they're talking about like from this point on if you say if you're going to use the word epic the definition of the dictionary should say see galactic heroes because <laughs> um you know because it is truly epic at focus i mean we we basically saw the rise the fall and the rise again of all of these things kind of you know all these people and stuff so and uh yeah i would say anybody out there who's uh, just a fan of a good story, um, you know, told in a in a really great way, uh, with lots of characters, and likes classical music during their battles. This awesome. is this is that this is for them. So, and I would
0: also tell anyone um, not to feel intimidated by the size of the series because yeah. 110 episodes and you know 50 episode side story and another OAV and two movies. It, it sounds like a lot, but I mean, hell, I, I've sat through. 400 plus episodes of one piece so this is small potatoes yeah and one of the things about this show is that as soon as you start watching it it really sucks you in nice and you just can't stop so you'll be blowing through it very quickly when i got to the end i just had to watch like the last seven episodes in a row and i was up until the middle of the night because i just couldn't stop man yeah so even though it's it's long compared to say like a gundam show or Mm -hmm. Or an Escaflone or something like that. You're just going to go through it very quickly because the story just compels you to. But hell, if you can
2: watch uh, Zeta and Double Zeta in, uh, in in a month and a half, you can you can do this show. Heck yeah! yeah. So it's not that much more. But I guess that will end this uh, look at Legend of Galactic Heroes, the OAV series, and movie one. And we'll be back in a little bit. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Wow Well gun- damn it anywhere, doesn't it hurt?
0: Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or a bakery In the South Florida area, try epicsugarworks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarworks.com. It's epically delicious. Damn! Good cake, Lee.
2: It was an accident.
1: That's okay. We would just say you tried to catch a cow. Welcome back to Gundam at Mahq. This was episode forty-five, and um, in this episode we discussed uh, Legend of the Galactic Heroes, the original OVA series, and the movie that started it all. In our um, in both segments that we discussed today, and um, any um, any anything else to add, fellas?
2: Sig Kaiser. <laughs> not not uh. really. <laughs> not really.
1: Well, dog gone. All right. <laughs> I guess I guess you guys are all Sig Kaiser
2: Reinhardt
1: are are L-O-G-H'd out, man. Pretty all much.
2: Right. Nice. Nice. I said yeah. it's a bad thing, but
1: well y'all y'all left me excited for the um the series. I can't wait to watch it personally. And um I hope that a lot of people out there feel the same way.
2: Yeah, that that probably be the only thing I would have to add is just, you know, um we stated earlier in this segment if you're a big fan of, you know, uh, shows with a lot of politics, war, love, and all that mixed in together—you um, know—try it out. It's—you uh, d- know—I don't think you'll be um, too too disappointed. I'm not going to give it the Soul Bro guarantee, oh. but I'm pretty close to giving it that.
0: So. <laughs> I-, I will give it uh, the MHQ guarantee. Yeah, right. I'll on. give it the MH-
2: I'll second the MHQ guarantee. If,
0: if you if you come away from this show bitching or complaining, then you're going to have to come to me.
2: Oh man! And I'm not going to listen. There's going to be words. Well then,
1: well then, that is something. That is that is something to forget Yeah, it's
2: it's not binding to money. It's not like the (laughs) money back guarantee. uh, I'm not giving
0: you any money. I'm just saying that if you got something to say about this show and and uh, you want to start some trouble, well, come my way. Oh man,
1: Chris is Chris is ready to scrap. Before we part ways, um of course check out these websites. mahq.net, the mecha and anime headquarters where the magic happens and hopefully not not, not any more hacking. But <laughs> also check out mechatalk.net where you can find the official forums for MAHQ and amongst them um one for Gundam. We highly encourage you to um to post your uh, feedback on the threads for the episodes that we uh, post. Also go to Gundam.net if you want information on liner notes for uh, every episode posted for Gundam. As well as links for our Facebook, MySpace, on Spill.com and you can also subscribe to us from there on iTunes and Zoom. Um, You can reach us by email by going to GundamMahQ at gmail.com. And finally you can peep our tweets at Twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T And um, that's all she wrote when it came to uh, websites to visit. But uh, any parting shots before we go?
0: No. I uh, got a few. Oh, go for (laughs) it. Go for it. Okay. Uh, You know, since this is the uh, beginning of the new year, a few things. um, Mm -hmm. Next episode, uh, you all can look forward to, we're going to be introducing some new things to mix things up and keep the show fresh. So uh, I'll be deliberately vague about that. You probably know more about it if you've seen the listener participation thread in uh, the Gundam forum. So if you want to know what we're talking about, go there and have a look and uh, yes, have your say. Uh, I can promise and give the sober guarantee that we are finally this year going to talk about Gunpla. Nice, oh, yeah. nice, yeah. and also Full Metal Panic. I'm making
1: my way through the series now, so um, you guys, I um, have been asking for like an anime that, spotlight of that. That guarantee. <laughs> well, we're gonna review it. Finally, we do we'll it. The guarantee you listeners. finishing
2: the show might
1: be that. <laughs> I'll finish the show, and we and we'll finally talk about it. And um,
0: anyway, what um, about Zoids, Chris? Zoids, any of that? dude we're we're gonna we're gonna yeah you, you blew the surprise. We were gonna oh, go into Zoids roundup. Zoids so and SD Gundam, man,
1: it's coming up. Zoids followed uh, with uh, SD Gundam Force, anyway.
2: Followed with the um, all the uh, the different analyzing all the different versions of Ava, the Samoan how, version.
0: How did you know? Yeah, you read his mind. Special guest bear. <laughs> North. How how did you know? And then finally, um, to again be deliberately vague, um, make sure you uh, check MHQ on April first. Oh. <laughs> okay.
1: Oh man, Mister.
0: There will be something there. History. Huh. Nice. It'll be something to look at. Okay. Well, all right. It's not going to read. You know what would have been
2: bad is if those guys, those hackers like had one of the navigation buttons uh, redirected to the petition that Solbro had for... Um, <laughs> for, uh, for Gundam X? No,
1: for uh, the for Seed movie. Yeah, because I'm the one who made that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're the chump behind that one? No. <laughs> Although you would think I would be. I,
0: I kind of did. Oh
1: man, but well, I'm sorry for you. You had me fooled. Man, <laughs> as I tend to do. No, I, I want
0: a refund on my sobro guarantee. Give me back my bandwidth.
1: Give me back my bandwidth. But um anything else to add, sir? Nope, that's it for me. Man, just when you think you got no info, you got plenty. Always hitting us when we're not looking. But um that's it for episode 45 of Gundam at MAHQ We'll see you guys next time and happy new year. Yeah, same here.
2: Mr. Bright, is it? Sir. And how many months in the military, Mr. Bright? Six months, sir. You're about 19 years old, right? Yes, sir. Once we start mass producing the Gundam, as I've planned, we could probably end this terrible war without sending kids like you into battle.
0: Is that your son, sir?
2: Yes. I hear there are kids even his age fighting as guerrillas in this war. Is that true, Bright?
1: Yes, I think so, sir. That's what they say. It's
2: horrible. Gundam at MHQ Shinjuku station in MHQ production.
0: On my deathbed, my final wish is to have my ex-wives rush to my side so I can use my dying breath to tell them both to go to hell one last time. Would I get married again? Oh, absolutely. If you don't believe in love, what's the point of living?